don't do it anymore because it just turns out stupid all the time. <laughs> it, it it sounds it it sounds badly rehearsed. Um, yeah, I uh, I after different trials and errors and and stuff, I I realized like I'm really not an on camera person, not really. Yeah. I'm, and I'm not an actor, you know, like actors, you have to memorize lines and you have to act it out and all that stuff. I absolutely suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, this is why I did not pursue an acting career because it was the memorization of the lines that was uh, the biggest challenge for me. Um, I was constantly stumbling around that. I just, I, it's funny, I have a great memory for like stories and, uh, and, and, and other things, but like for some reason lines, I just could not, they just fall out of my head. I could never, never could quite get it and keep it, so. Yeah, but um, I, I enjoy improv, improving though. Uh, that's, yeah. that's a different skill. It's a totally different skill. And um, actually I translated my acting uh, career, such as it was, um, into MC, which was all about improv, right? So it's all about like you just get up on stage and then like you get to to chat and you talk and you welcome people and so it kind of marries my uh, that improvisation but with like some hospitality into it so uh you know it's it's always great when you have people in the audience who are who are a little grumbly because then you can kind of you totally can work with them you know and especially if they're <laughs> if they're, you know if they're open to having some fun with you yeah uh, and you and you if you when you do this you realize almost immediately you gain the skill of like okay that's not a person I that's open to playing like they're they're in a bad place or whatever the thing is or they're busy or they're cruising because I'm in gay bars a lot um, <clears throat> but when you find somebody who's you can tell you can play with it like the whole thing just snaps and it's amazing um, yeah. And uh, I was fortunate to find people to play with uh, weekly for about 20 years. So, uh, uh, you know, at different shows that I, that I did over my, my past career. But uh, weekly, did you say for 20 years, you were, there was some background noise. I think you were wrestling paper or something. Did you say <laughs> Probably, 20 years? Yeah. I, yeah. So, so yeah. So starting in the late nineties until it was about 20 years from like around 1997 or so until 2015, um, I was, I was almost, almost not completely, but almost continuously, uh, emceeing weekly shows in LA or here in New York, mm -hmm. um, in different, different venues, different things to do it. And, uh, it was really fun and I haven't done that now for about six years now and I, I really miss it. It's because it's, it's a part of my skill set that it's just rusty and I don't get, I don't, I don't get time to really, I don't get any opportunities to really get on a microphone and stand up in a room with people uh, anymore, uh, which is annoying, but what can you do? But so these are shows that you were emceeing. So, I mean, like, for example, what kind of shows were they? So they were always like interview shows or like like basically raffles. So like you do a fundraiser and you, everybody's in the room and then like you're selling raffle tickets and then like somebody's got to be up on the microphone and like be entertaining and or uh, like I would like I did this bingo thing. I think you know about my bingo thing. Um, I think so. so. For, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've kind you know, it's because we met in a corporate setting. It's not, you know, it wasn't like something I was just going to like <clears throat> talk about 
<laughs> for a lot of reasons, you know. But um, I did this thing, this bingo event, this fundraising bingo event for about a decade and 470 shows and we raised a quarter of a million dollars. And um, so I was, I was emceeing and I was producing the show and I was getting all the prizes and booking all the guests. So it was a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, then when I started and I was doing that because I was also doing temp work and I was doing lots of different project stuff. And so like, I always had the time for it. And then when I started, you know, where we met, um, I was suddenly like, oh my God, I have a full-time job. How can I do two full-time, literally two full-time jobs at the same time? One that paid like a full-time job and one that didn't. Um, I mean, the, the bingo was a labor, labor of love. I, sure. I loved doing it, but I literally, you know, like I, you know, like I, I would be embarrassed to even tell you or say publicly in a, in a video what I actually got paid on a weekly basis, which wasn't much, but it wasn't about the money. It was about the, the project and it was about the fun of doing it, uh, you know, much like the comic strip. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, why I, I'm assuming why you have asked me to to join you for this extravaganza, episode 15. Uh, nice segue. <laughs> Not my first time. <laughs> Not your first rodeo. Okay. Uh, so let me officially introduce you because I didn't even say your name yet. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Drew Altenberg. Um, so a Midwesterner, right? Yes. Born and raised in Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't send you a bio. So I'm, so you said that the option That's right. You still owe me a bio. I know. I (laughs) stole your bio. So I'm just going to give you my bio. So I was, I was born in a small town. Sounds like such, it sounds like the opening of the novel. I was born in a small town in Wisconsin. Uh, I was, uh, population 3000, uh, a a little paper mill town. Um, and, uh, on the banks of the Wisconsin river, I mean, it was, it was, and is very picturesque. It's, you know, a beautiful little town. Um, and growing up in the seventies, uh, there was, was a lot of fun, but once, uh, I finished high school and started to get inklings of, oh, you know, I'm a big gay. Um, I, I figured maybe that wasn't the best. I mean, I think. I just figured that it wasn't the best place for me. And I also was like, I need to find some community and the community that I thought I needed to find was elsewhere. And I think that that proved to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of years ago, I went back for a wedding of my oldest friend who got married to her girlfriend. And I was very nervous. So I was like, oh, Jesus, you know, like growing up, it wasn't exactly the gay, the, friend, the, the friendliest place to the gays, you know? And, um, but, you know, like, like we have to allow places and people to change, right? So yeah, I I I was going back and I was very anxious and very nervous, but uh, it was it was really beautiful. It was it was really it was really a remarkable experience. And uh, they ended up getting married the day before Stonewall, uh, the celebration of Stonewall Fifty, which they didn't know about. Uh, I knew about, and I thought, well, there is literally no better way to celebrate uh, the birth of the gay rights movement than to be at a wedding of my oldest and best friend and her girlfriend and now wife with my boyfriend. And uh, it was, it was just, the whole thing was just great. You know, it was, it was, I know that's like, like telling somebody about a dream, you know, like you can't, you go like, yeah, that sounds great. It, 
it just was. We were on the top of a mountain. It was a beautiful weather. It was a beautiful day. You know, like it was magical. It was just fantastic. And then we got stuck there because of the weather. And <laughs> it started mean- to rain the next day. And we were like, we can't fly out. We are stuck here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, uh, just as yeah, you were mouthing something. You could say whatever you want. You don't have I know, to. I just you, you know, don't have to censor yourself. <laughs> I know that's my that's my but that's my you know that's that's part of my my um, sensibility is to sort of you know. Oh, is it? <laughs> it's a bit, yeah. And I'm also so you know like I've been in the corporate sector for now for so long that I'm so used to having well having boundaries uh which you know is unusual for me but um and you know trying to respect that so thank you for saying that i appreciate that Um, well that's kind of funny because i do remember i I don't think i necessarily bit my tongue every time i want i mean i didn't say it in like in open meetings like in like official meetings or anything but if it was just chatting with colleagues like you know water cooler talk and whatever like i didn't i don't think i censored myself in any way I said whatever. Well, I, I mean, well, first of all, you, no, but, like you don't censor yourself. That's the joy of you is you don't censor yourself. Um, I, you know, wait, what does that mean? No, that's a compliment. I think there's, okay. I think there's no, I, no, actually, I think that's one of your biggest strengths is that you are unapologi- unapologetically yourself. Hmm. And I don't think that you hide and I don't think that you censor yourself. I tend to, uh, be a lot more reserved in those kinds of settings because I could be, I could sort of like a sailor. I can talk about a lot of stuff that's super, super not appropriate for the office. So I have to sort of cut back on the boundary, like so far so that if, when I go over it, I'm still within boundary, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. 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 And I especially don't... in our environment and that job that we were in, which was very conservative in some ways, not yeah. every way, but in some yeah. ways. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, and in doing events, you know, where you're dealing with, you know, like the CEO. And like well, right. If you're working, that's different, yeah. right? It's the same yeah. thing as like, I mean, I didn't do events, but it's the same yeah. thing as, you know, if I were in a meeting setting or if I were, if I, if I was leading a meeting, like I wouldn't be cursing left and right. <laughs> Exactly. But you know, you sort of sort of feel like I have to kind of do this all the time because I'm worried about slipping up. So if I just sort right. of like set a track then. Right. On the other hand, I did manage an event at the CEO's apartment. And they were so comfortable with me that as I was putting everything away and moving the furniture and doing my thing, the CEO of our business walked out in his underwear. Oh, nice. It Wait. was a moment where I went <laughs> and, and didn't, I don't think actually I did that. I think that was my internal com- yeah. cartoon face. Uh, but, you know, on the outside, I was like, okay. But on the inside, I was like, holy mother of God, what am I doing? What am I seeing? My eyes, my eyes, you know, and, you know, but that's also like, oh, it's a compliment because he felt really comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, ultimately, it is about reading your room, right? I mean, I mean, you know, from emceeing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it is exactly that just reading the situation and, and seeing like, and acting appropriately to the situation. So like, you know, with certain colleagues that I'm very comfortable with, like, I would not, you know, I don't really censor myself. But then, 
if I'm in mixed company, like, you know, I wouldn't say certain things in mixed company that I would in, you know, in other settings. Yeah. 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 And I don't think that's being in disingenuous. I think it's just. I think it's also respect for the other person and respect exactly. for the milieu, right? Everything, yeah. some things are appropriate, some things are not. And uh, we, make, we make our best decisions about those based upon previous experience, based upon observable facts and thoughts. Sometimes we don't succeed, but yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, sorry, group in, oh, sorry. Just a quick question about your, you were talking about your hometown. Uh, so uh, before you left, uh, were you not out? I wasn't even out to myself. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't know. I just had no idea. And um, I mean, I was, I grew up in a very, uh, I mean, it was a very small town. Everybody knows kind of what you're doing. Um, I was very small, very skinny, terrified of everybody, like 99% of the time, um, teased to within an inch of my life. Oh. Um, and then there was, you know, also a whole thing of like, I'm a cartoonist. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, get fairly decent grades, not the best, but, you know, decent. I can't, or actually I give a, I give a shit about my grades. That's right. part of it, you know. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, and I'm not, I wasn't athletic. Right. The highest, um, not, not even remotely. And, um, uh, you know, and in the band and in the choir, I was in theater, you know, all that stuff. So you're like, okay, so you're just basically pointing, you know, small town America, you're pointing a, you're painting a big target on your head. And, um, you know, and it just, it was sort of unfun a lot of times. And yeah. sometimes it was really fun. And I had really, and I have great friends still there. And I have, uh, you know, I had great times, you know, and, and, uh, so, you know, like it wasn't a horror show necessarily, but it was like, I just don't feel like I fit in here. You know, like that was the conversation I had with myself was, um, and, you know, and I gave it a shot. I went back after my first year of college. I went to Minneapolis. I went to a college in Minneapolis and I go back, I went back for the summer, summer of 83. And I'm like living with my mother and, you know, my dad's passed away, you know, but like we, we finally kind of dealt with that. He had died during my senior year of high school. So I finally kind of calmed down and like life is sort of normal. And I'm at home in Wisconsin and it's July and I'm 19 and I literally have nothing to do because <laughs> there's nothing to do um, for a 19 year old, you know? And it really wasn't until like another year or two after that, that I really started to sort of go, oh, I, I think I'm gay. And, uh, you know, and then I thought about some thoughts and feelings I had about a couple of classmates uh -huh. uh, and uh, was like, oh, I guess that's, they call that desire. You know, mm. they call that, you know, that's, that's, I'm into that, you know, I'm into them. And it really was like a moment, you know, and you, you have this, you, I had this moment. Um, I had the moment, the moment was, uh, it was triggered by uh, an old uh, friend of mine. So I'm in my sophomore what year was that? Uh, I guess I was in my junior year, actually, now that I think about it. So I was in my junior year and a friend High school? of college, of I was college. In my junior year of college. And a friend of mine from fresh from the freshman year that I had met and was like, like, hello, 
<laughs> but didn't understand that that's what I was doing. Like, you know, you do this stuff, but you're not. And he came up to me and that freaked me out. And then I, because I was like, oh my God, am I gay? And I guess I am, but I don't know. And then I shoved it back down a lot for a couple of years. And then um, he called out of the blue. And over the course of the phone call, which was all about three minutes, I was like, oh, I think I'm gay. Because all I can think about is taking a shower with him. So I was like, I'm pretty sure that means I'm gay. Um, and there was this moment, you know, like people always just, you know, like the big traumatic moment. I was like, huh, I will now do for you my, my big traumatic coming out moment. Are you ready? I was like, huh, I'm gay. <sighs> okay. <laughs> that is now it. I literally, not even kidding. And I went to, uh, I, went to I was at a small Lutheran college in Minneapolis and I went over to the U of M to their library. So not, nobody would see me, you know, and like pulled out some books thinking they're gonna, they're all gonna tell me I'm going to hell and I'm a terrible person and I'm sick and I'm demented and, and I just, but I need to know this so that I can defend myself. Like, you know, knowledge is power, right? And book after book was like, it's totally normal. It's just a part of the world. Get over it. <laughs> I mean, really, I'm not kidding. It was like, I don't know if I was just picking the right books. I don't know. But I was like, okay, so my big fear about this is really, it's not a big deal. And, um, you know, so, you know, and then, and, and I wasn't really sure. So I actually spent a semester in London uh, during my senior year, um, partly obviously to be studying in London, like who would want to do that? Um, and I was like, well, I'll just come out there and then I will figure it out. Like I either am or not, you know, like, but this way I'm off camera. Nobody knows, I'm, nobody knows me and I can kind of do what I want. And right. uh, that proved to be very good. And that was really great. And um, from there, I really started building some great community in my life and which has, you know, I, I'm still friends with people that I met in those days. It, actually, I'm friends with people I know throughout my life, which is really a really lovely blessing and I'm very grateful for that yeah also London is would be more gay friendly than Minneapolis or or you know, wherever I, you were in Wisconsin well so I was in Minneapolis and I had uh, I was like having this thing and I was like am I gay and um this woman friend of mine uh, Nancy um just a wonderful friend and uh she out of the blue was like we should go dancing but I know you're saving, trying to save money for London. So let's, I know a free place. And I was like, okay. I mean, like, as we were leaving the building of the college, she was like, uh, it's a gay bar. Is that a problem? And of course, part of me was like terrified, like, oh my God, you know, like I'm going to be exposed or, you know, oh my God, I'm going to find out, you know, or I'll see people and they'll know, you know, Wait, like. Does she know or? No, I barely knew. I was barely like, this was like weeks after this phone call with this guy. I was just trying to still figure it out. And we go into was the she bar. gay? No, she's not gay. No. Okay. She just chose a gay bar because, just because. Because it was free. Because she oh, was like, okay. it's a free and it's a dance floor. Let's go. Okay. And so we went. And I have to tell you, it was really relevatory to me. Because up until then, I had what I think, you know, admittedly in the 1986, what people sort of had in their mind about what gay men were you know i i'm from the same place that everybody else is i had the same images i had the same uh you know pop culture images and, and you know the only 
gay character we knew about at that point was Jody Dallas on Soap, you know, like, you know, and played by a non-gay actor, you know, so I was like, I had a very uh, stereotyped and, and not very affirmative and not a very positive thing um vision of that and going to this bar was like the most revelatory and amazing experience in my entire life mm. where it was like oh gays come in all shapes colors sizes Size. and, and and everything like it's yeah. it, it, it's it's like normal life and you're like oh i know that's stupid to say but that's what you think when you're a kid right you know or at least yeah. we did maybe back then and i know other people that did too and that really helped me because it was like oh, I can be whatever I want and still be, I don't have to like do whatever I thought was in my head at the time. So um, that was really helpful. And right. so you really didn't, did me. Yeah, so. you didn't have to like necessarily act what you or the rest of the world you thought was gay acting. Well, yeah. and you know, when the only thing at that time, the only people that you see that I saw anyway, and I'll just make it personal to me, there are people that I saw that were gay were the people who were really, really, really out. Right, right. So like, I know that there was lots of gay people that I knew, you know, like in retrospect, it's like, well, of course, there was lots of gay people around me. But, you know, they're not obviously gay. So you're like, you know, so it's this conundrum. And actually, I was doing an internship at a local TV station. And I'm on the dance floor with Nancy and I'm like trying to be like this close to her, like, you know, I'm straight, I'm straight. Like, I don't know what is wrong with me, you know. And who do I run into but the guy I report to at my t at my internship at the TV station? And I was like, oh, hello. So he's gay. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay, you know. And um, and then I saw like I was in the chorus uh, at the college and I saw half the guys from the choir there which <laughs> I don't know why I was surprised or anything but like it but it did surprise me I was like not prepared for anything like I was just was totally jumping in with both feet and I'm so glad I did because it was it didn't I didn't think about it too much yeah. I just went in right um and I can still think of what the bouncer looked like he was like this sort of hot muscle guy in a in a tank top and his hair was parted and he was smoking and he had tight jeans on and white tennis shoes and I was like, oh, oh, that's a gay guy. Oh, that's yeah. Oh, wow, that's well, amazing. That's the thing with with like, um, well, stereotypes and also discrimination of different different aspects of you know what whether it's sexuality or gender or race or you know height or you know shape or whatever it is, right? Is that um, I mean bottom line where we're human beings and we come in like you said all shapes sizes and dispositions and personalities you know and um like any group you could possibly think of there are assholes in the group and there are good people in the group <laughs> right. right and and you know i was i i i hope that i don't you know i hope this is reflective of i was 20 at the time and you know didn't have a lot of life experience. Um, but, you know, I do have sympathy for people then who are also then struggling to, to understand groups. Um, yeah. I know, I know that I, I can't excuse racism or homophobia or sexism, I can't excuse, or transphobia. I can't excuse that, but I, can, I think I can understand it at, from just from a person point of view. And I think, um, I'm, I'm not sure if, the, if, if it's 
that I'm forgiving. I think I think it really is just sort of more understanding and trying to put I a context so. to it. Because yeah. I understand that then the perspective that you're coming from, especially as somebody, you know, like my grandmother, you know, my grandmother was born in 1904. So when I came out, yeah, she was just, you know, and, and she was the only family person that actually sought to have some understanding. She's like, well, I don't understand. What does that mean? And I said, well, how you feel about grandpa is how I feel about like somebody I'm dating. And she was just not, it just, you know, but she was trying. And I thought that that was really, I could really respect her just for trying, even though mm -hmm. it, it wasn't a complete success, but I, but for me, the success was that she was trying, not that she succeeded in being, you know, a banner waiver person at PFLAG, you know, I didn't need that. Right, um, right. I mean, that would be lovely, but that's not what I was expecting. <laughs> but you make a very good point that um, I think, you know, coming from a place of understanding, even understanding the person who is a racist, who is a bigot, who is discriminatory, that, you know, um, part of their whether it's their upbringing or their environment or, you know, the time that they live in, you know, time my grandmother born in, in 1904, or, so or she, has a certain, she just has a certain view of the world. I mean, yeah. she's not passed away. She's long gone, but I mean, she was born in 1904. So I have to kind of, I have to cut her some slack. It's my responsibility. Now I know that there's a certain rule of thought of like, Oh, I don't have to be, I don't want to be the teacher for this i don't i don't want to have to teach everybody and uh, like yeah but that's kind of unfortunately where we're at like i i have to teach people about being gay that that's, that's kind of um that's kind of um our response i think that's everyone's responsibility you know i agree with you i've just seen a lot yeah. of conversation especially right now in this time where people were like well i don't want to have to teach you i don't i just want you to 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 accept and like yeah but i think you're i don't understand what that is that i'm accepting <laughs> i think you just have to unfortunately yeah. the work comes it falls upon us falls upon us to explain and to contextualize and to teach and uh and to see people on where they are on their path and while that is frustrating and super hard a lot of times yeah that is unfortunately or whatever it is just what it is so well i think i see it this way so you know i um i i find that i'm misunderstood a lot or a lot of assumptions are being made about me because for whatever reason and um and i i don't think i get so much of that now um but especially when I was growing up, I'll hear things like, oh, you shouldn't act that way. Or, oh, I'm surprised you said that or you did that. I mean, like, but why? Like, why would you assume that I wouldn't say certain things or do certain things or, you know, whatever. But, but I mean, to be fair, um, I, you know, <clears throat> during uh, growing up, I, I was, uh, I'm an introvert, but uh, I was also shy. I'm not sh necessarily shy anymore. Not really. I mean, or 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 I face my shyness and I do it anyway, right? right. Uh, yeah. But you know, <clears throat> growing up, I was shy. So like, so shy people are very often misunderstood because we don't necessarily vocalize what's going on internally. Um, but anyway, yes. so 
uh, the way I see it is um, if I want to be understood, then I have some obligation to help the other person understand. Either that or accept that you're not understood and, and you have to accept that, that somebody else is not gonna understand you. Now, I'm, I'm talking in generalities, um, but right. I mean, but even when, you, when we talk about specific things like sexual orientation or, <clears throat> or even cultural things, you know, yeah. If you want the other people to understand you and accept you, then yes, you have some obligation to teach them. Otherwise, yeah. they will never understand. Yeah. So I'm why would you expect why... them to? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of struck by, I'm kind of a comic book fan, and I've been watching the Marvel series, Winter, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. And in last week's episode, the fifth one, uh, uh, the character Sam Wilson, uh, have you been watching it? Am I... No, I haven't, but it's okay. I don't. So you know, uh, yeah. Sam Wilson, uh, Sam Wilson, excuse me, as the Falcon, that's his superhero name. Yeah. Um, as a, I don't know, 40 year old black man who's, you know, like the superhero guy. And he discovers that there is a uh, superhero from like 30, 40 years ago. And he confronts him and he's like, help me understand what the world was like and why you didn't, why you weren't public and what, what happened to you? And in the storyline, like he's been tested on and, you know, uh, uh, and poked and prodded and, you know, like a science experiment uh, for 30 years. Um, and I, what I'm, but I'm just struck with the phrase, I want to understand, help me understand your, yeah. your life story and where you are and how, why you are right now you are and, and and the guy does say he's like if you because the sam wilson is black and he's like if you think you're going to be cap the new captain america you you're crazy and it's a very interesting moment in the story mm. because you think is that true is the, is, is that is that possible or you know is that the direction that the sh that the story is going where sam wilson's going to prove him wrong because we are a different country than this guy experienced over mm. the last 30, 40 years. And I just find that all that really interesting, but the, I keep coming back to you as part of this conversation of, please help me understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think if we tried, tried, and it's really hard for everybody. Like, I know that that is not an easy conversation to have because yeah. it's real and it's easier to fire off a, a one-liner online on social media or whatever and, um, and no, say how is, brilliant you are, you know, but it's not. You're it's really not. And, and you're it's not. Social media is not real life. And, um, you know, it's, it's where you sort of, you know, uh, tangentially sort of connect yourself with other people so that maybe down the road you want to talk to them or, or something I don't know but yeah. anyway this yeah. this is a conversation <laughs> yeah I think this is a conversation I'm, yeah I'm, 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 we're conversing but um no and I think you know it's I, I've certainly had uh, not to wade too deep into this but uh, but I've certainly had lots of conversations well I should say that's not completely true I've had lots of experiences lately where people have decided that they just need to say stuff to me uh, online uh, mm that and 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 my thought is I, i'm happy to have a conversation with you like if you have a political view and i have a political view i'm happy to have a conversation with you 
as long as neither one of us devolves into name calling and you know you're crazy and all that stuff right. but if you start from your you know like a shouting thing uh it's not going to get calmer it's only going to get worse so i disengage because it's not i don't think it's worth it um i find that um that on social media people are not actually interested in engaging in actual conversation because there there were times like i don't really do this anymore because i don't really have the patience but um when i first actually got on uh you know social media and this is 2016 i had a facebook account before but then um i didn't really do anything on it i hardly even accepted friend requests <laughs> I just had it because I was trying to figure out what this is. And, and back then I didn't get, this is like what, uh, 2010s, you know, early 10s, uh, I didn't get it. And then it wasn't until 2016, I actually started interacting and liking people's posts and commenting on things and stuff. And at one point I was like, oh, well, somebody commented this. And, um, and I'm like, I have an opinion about that. So let me voice my opinion, right? But um, yeah, but most of the time, like people are not really interested in engaging in any kind of meaningful conversation. So like, I, you know, I learned quickly, like social media, it's just there for people to like uh, post vacation photos or, or whatever, or vent. <laughs> I love the vacation photos. And you yeah. know, to a certain degree, especially over the last few years, it's been a really great place to vent of stuff where, let's be honest, neither you or I have any real effect of the outcome of things. We, we do our best, we do work in the community, um, we try to keep ourselves educated and everything, but but at the end of the day, we're, we're not making policy, we're, yeah. we're voting on it, maybe if we get lucky, you know, but we're not, at this point in my life, I'm I'm not an elected official. I'm not on any board. I'm not I'm not shaping any policy. Um, so I am I'm in a more certainly definitely a passive uh, experience as is most humans on the planet. And um, you know, so it it means something to me to have a community of people to go. Oh my God, did you see that? Did you? Oh my God, this is terrible. What do you right. think? You know, blah blah blah. So that part I think is really great. It's I think we get really, and, and I'm and I'm so guilty of this as well. So I'm I'm certainly not throwing a stone that I wouldn't throw up myself. Um, you know, you get really wrapped up and really heated, and it's you know ultimately it's not. It's not even really satisfying because it's. It's just not satisfying. It doesn't lead anything and go anywhere. Anyway, I feel like we're going down a rabbit hole. We, we are, um, and that's that's okay. That's that's yeah. part part of the characteristic of a long form conversation is you know we go on off on tangents and, and stuff but anyway yeah. going back to back to your comic so yeah, um, yeah so um i think earlier you said even when you were in school you were drawing comics so that started a long time ago so when did when did your interest in in creating comics start very long time ago. So when I was really young, really, really like we're talking literally five years old, um, I had this thing where I really liked to draw and very crudely movie posters because I really loved movies. I thought they were really cool and television shows. And I used to do this thing where I would um, <laughs> I would come up with a TV schedule 
with like if with an imaginary network. So I would put all my favorite shows in different time slots, and I would like create the grid that you see in 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 the close up and TV guide or the in the in the fall preview, excuse me, for the TV guide. Yeah, yeah. And I would come up with my own thing, and I'd be like, "Oh, this is so cool!" And then I would like draw the movie the movie poster. I just make up movies, and I just like draw stuff. And um, I had very few Legos, uh, but like one of the Legos that I had was like this gray, like I think it was like a floor, like a, a gray foundation. And then yeah, like, yeah. So I would like make, and I don't know why or how I started doing this, but I uh, started creating like layouts of a movie theater. Like, wouldn't it be cool to have a movie theater? um and so like the drawing was sort of like all in that right and then uh i it wasn't really until i was until i was like maybe 11 or 12 that i was sort of really drawing to try to figure out how to draw and um i had taken an art class in a junior high and it was a painting class and um and i really wanted to learn like i really but it was really not like a pencil, I could really understand how to draw that. Like mm -hmm. I got, like I, I understood that. But the brush has always been a little, has been a, a mystery to me. I just don't, I can't quite control it right. And I don't, I'm not one with a brush, right? But, um, and, you know, and I had then a very, <laughs> I mean, it sounds stupid to call it traumatic. It wasn't. But, um, you know, you're like, you're doing the thing, you know, and the teacher comes over and says, oh, you're doing it wrong. And then they like, reach around and they finish the painting for you oh that's not nice and then the painting got into an art show and people were like you're such a good artist and i'm like um and i what do you say at that moment i didn't win a prize thank god but i was sort of like oh i just you know every time i looked at it i just kind of cringed and i was like Ugh. it was yeah. a beautiful painting he's a great he was a great artist he was really good but it wasn't um, yours. But it wasn't yeah. mine. It was yeah. like, it was 99% his, right? Yeah. And um, and so I really took, I think maybe the lesson I took from that is that, you know, I'm going to just sort of teach myself and figure out how to do this myself. And I mean, being again in a small town in Wisconsin, it didn't have a lot of options as far as art teacher. And I was also really into my theater. I was acting a lot in, uh, in plays and stuff. Um, and then I, it, I actually had um, the opposite experience. So when I was little, I used to I used to draw pretty well for a kid. And uh, so every time like there was a drawing assignment, this is grade school we're talking about, you know, like third grade, fourth grade. Uh, whenever there was a drawing assignment, like I would, you know, do my thing and I would be, maybe I'm not the best in the class, but I, you know, I was pretty good. And then all the kids around me will be like, oh, that's so good. Can you do mine? And so I would get, and I'm like, but if, if I do it, then it's not yours. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, uh, the kids asking the teacher, well, what's the answer instead of like trying to figure out, you know, what two plus two actually is. You know, yeah. like, no, what is the answer? Tell us the answer and we'll just memorize it. I, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I didn't really understand that. But anyway, sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Um, so so I, I started, you know, I think my love of TV and movies sort of gave way to love of comic books. Um, and um, I started with like Casper and Rich, Richie Rich. And I, I loved Archie for about a nanosecond. Um, <laughs> Although I always loved the digest because like it was the best 60 cents you could spend because it was like these thick digests and you get all this material for like like no money at all. Wait, Archie as in like Archie and Jughead and yeah, yeah, like that Archie, these, okay. big, these like hundred page digests that you get yeah, yeah. for 60 cents. And I thought this is the best value ever. Like I don't <laughs> care that it's something from 30 years ago. It's funny and I don't know. 
but then I got I started loving superheroes and then I started wanting to draw superheroes and then Star Wars came out and I wanted to draw Star Wars so I sat down and I created I think it was like 12 pages and I still have it um a Star Wars like a mad magazine or cracked magazine version of a Star Wars movie and or uh, the Star Wars thing and it, it was okay it was it actually kind of was okay and um uh, when I was a freshman in, in high school, I entered it into a contest and, uh, you know, all, all like dozen pages, whatever it was, dozen pages, and it won. And like, I, I think I won, like, nice. I think I won like a dollar and a half. It was like, awesome. You know, like, yeah. Um, and then they published a magazine and they only published like three pages because <laughs> they were like, it's too long. We just want to do it. I was like, well, it, doesn't make any, it makes no sense now, but okay, whatever. You know. How many pages was it all together? I think it was like 12 pages. Oh, that, that's not so bad, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, but they didn't like, they didn't edit. They just chose three whole pages to include instead of, you know, it was very strange, but <laughs> um, it was very, very, very strange. Um, and then, uh, so, and, and you know, like we used to, um, in, my, in my freshman year, I would sit right on the study hall you know, study hall, or study hall. And, you know, me the, me, the studio student was like, yeah, I'm, I am, you know, I am doing my homework, you know, and everybody's like throwing spitballs and doing whatever. Um, and uh, across the table from me was this fellow, Brian. Uh, I was at the beginning of the alphabet and he was at the end. So they, you know, they just did this whole loop. Right. And uh, they wouldn't let you talk. So we started passing little notes and he's got a great sense of humor, uh, did and does still have a great sense of humor. And uh, we would do like, we both love Saturday Night Live. So we would like do ripoffs of like Saturday Night Live characters, like little drawings, or we'd like do a news thing and, you know, and write those out. And like, we we just write with pencil on a paper and fold it up and, you know, and then pass it across. Uh, and then we sort of, that kind of got more elaborate and elaborate, like we would, you know, do these things and then like you fold them up into like the tiniest little thing that you could and then like you pass it in the hallway, you know, kind of thing. So we would, we would, we would do these things and we created, we started creating all these characters and, uh, and I have to tell you, I don't know how or why we started to do this, uh, this what I'm going to tell you next. And I don't know how we got hired. I, to this day, I still wonder, did my dad pay the paper to do this? Because you know, there's a little worry in mind. Like, oh, so Brian and I decided we could just, our, we had a weekly paper in town and we were like, we can, we'll just write a weekly comic strip. <laughs> somehow we just decided to do this. And we walked into the newspaper, which like the office was about the size of this room. And we were like, we want to draw a comic strip. And the guy was like, okay. Wait, did the paper already have a comic strip? No, section? there was nothing. Oh. There was not even an editorial comic. It was a, it was an okay. eight-page local paper. It was, it was. So deep. maybe that's why, because he wanted something new in there. I guess, but I don't think that there was like an ad. I don't think that they called for people. I think we just walked in and we're like, "Hey, would you be interested in buying this?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure." Well, you know, maybe the maybe the editor thought like, "Hey, these kids have, you know." They, yeah. they have gumption. Hey, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's it's try not like we came in with a bunch of samples. We just said, well, we can do this. <laughs> Wait, we... how, how old were you? Uh, let's see. It would have been late 79. So I was 15. Okay. Well, and Brian yeah. was a year older. Brian was 16. 
Yeah. So you were teenagers. Yeah. 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 We were just teen- we were just dumb teenagers, right? And um, and so we started doing this comic strip, like, and fumbling our way through it, and uh, I mean, really fumbling our way through it. And you know, as far as like the drawing, the lettering, the inking, you know, the the deadline, all of that was learning lessons for us. Mm. Um, uh, Good lessons, though. You know. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, amazing lessons and, and being creative and like yeah. you have to sort of produce this every week, right? And there were some weeks when you just get busy and you're doing this and doing that and you don't do it, you know. But, um, and I, you know, the the strip now that I'm doing, which I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about it as we go along, but it, it sort of is very similar because we had a lot of characters and we kind of rotated them in and out. And we, I, I really like that. That's something that I really... I think it's fun and I think it's interesting as a writer and a cartoonist to work with a lot of different characters and have sort of a chorus at my disposal. You know, mm-hmm. like I, ha- I have about 40 or whatever at my disposal right now. And um, somebody can always pop up who was, you know, in some other strip, you know, um, and I just posted one the other day where uh, I had a character who was in one strip like four years ago. And I was like, oh, I need a telephone operator. I'll just put her in. Why not? <laughs> She's like, and she's like this universe's, you know, telephone operator. She's always the person that's the telephone operator. Great. Yeah, it's like the Marvel universe. Yeah. A little bit like that. So I love all that kind of stuff. And like, well, why is she there? And how did that happen? And like, I like all that stuff. So that that stuff that's fun for me. And um, anyway, so we were doing this thing and we created uh, uh, sort of what became our signature character, which is Angie. And, um, and I still have Angie now because I love Angie. I think she's awesome. Um, and Angie was named for a girl we knew who was named Angie, who had a great sense of humor and looked very much like Angie does. And uh, we at first, when we first were doing it, we called her Little Orphan Angie, which we thought was funny, but sort of more when I revived it a few years ago, I was like, eh, there's copyright stuff. Let's not do that. You know, so let's, let, let's not, let's not have anything more against us than than you know or against me than 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 there is right so um but she did like a lot of the same things and uh so it was it was really fun to have her do little little goofy things um i think my favorite strip of hers in the original run and that it was so we lasted from 80 to 82 um uh she had off camera saved somebody from uh, from something and got a broken leg and so was in the hospital and um and reagan who was notoriously you know at the time dement you know sort of like people were like he's got dementia he's yeah you know, he's forgetting stuff right so i had him come in and you know like well angie thank you for saving you know here's a medal you know thank you very much and he goes out he leaves and she just like turns the camera goes like people criticize him for his memory he's just a really great guy and then he comes in and repeats the exact same speech with another <laughs> My mother was mad, which I didn't realize that we were Republicans. So like, whoops, you know, I, I, I didn't know my family voted, all voted Republican. I, I just had no idea because they, uh, but still there is such thing I, as like self-deprecating humor. <laughs> right. I thought it was funny. She wasn't as wild about it, but they were very, my parents were very supportive of it. In fact, um, and, uh, you know, and, and we created other characters, uh, Sam, Witch, uh, a detective uh, with a heart of, with a heart of gold. Oh, it's Ace Detective with a Heart of Gold. That's what it was. And then um, and another one of my favorites. So Brian had gone to college because he was a year older. And uh, a friend of ours, Tom, uh, and I 
co-created and put together this 10-week thing called Space Cadets, which was a whole science fiction ripoff, um, sort of combining Star Wars and Star Trek. And it was really dumb, which is everything <laughs> I do is really dumb, but that's, I think it's still funny. And, um, and then, it, you know, and during this time, uh, my dad, who had been sick for about a year at that point, uh, passed away. Um, and at the end of 81, uh, the paper was like, it's been two years, we're done. And I was like, my dad just died. I'm, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm okay with being done. So, um, and so, you know, uh, when I'm in junior high and I'm tracing comic books on the window, like I had an actual Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, a big collector's edition, you know, it was oversized. So I had all these superheroes flying. So I put it up to the window and I was like tracing so I could understand, you know, muscles and how things in the body laid together mm-hmm. from a drawing perspective. And so I spent a lot of time doing that kind of stuff and trying to replicate that. And, um, and my dad saw that and he, he uh, for Christmas one morning, uh, when I was like 14 or 15, uh, I came down and found a drawing table. Nice. And it was really cool. it that was, was so it was sweet. Cool. It was really cool. And like, you know, um, it was one of the best presents I've ever had. And uh, so it was really great. And, um, you know, so I would, I was the typical nerdy kid, right? So I would spend my Saturday night, my Fridays and Saturday nights, I would sit at my drawing board and I would, I would draw the lone apple. Not that that was in the comic strip, but I was something I was working on. And I have, I have sort of all these issues comic book issue, fake comic book issues that I, I created that are like 10, 12 pages long and have mm-hmm. a cover and you know, all this stuff, you know, you know, all this goofy teenage stuff, nerdy teenage stuff that you'd see. And, um, but nobody ever really saw that. I never shared that with, I never shared that with anybody because I thought, oh, this is too weird and nobody will ever get it, you know, and, 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 and all that stuff. And um, people barely understood what we were doing as it was. I didn't really need to add a flying apple you know, like to the mix too. And um, so, and then, like I said, you know, and, and so all that was wrapped up in, in my father, you know, and when he died, it just all sort of felt like it ended. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I put that stuff all away and uh, it was really, you know, it was hard. It was hard to do that. But I also thought like, well, I, I'm never gonna make it as a cartoonist. I'll be an actor instead. <laughs> You know, like, could I have picked a more useless? <laughs> um, well, I mean, but to be fair, I think, I don't know, how many cartoonists are there? There's not that many. Yeah. Really, um, in the scheme of things, paid people who actually have a career, and it's not that many. Not, not, and, not, you know, and, I I'm think, being a little facetious, but I mean, yeah. also, like, you think... Yes, there's more actors than there are cartoonists. Yes. So I understand that, right? Yeah. Um, it, that wasn't my, it, my thing was, I just don't think I'm good enough. And so I just, you know, move on to something else. And, um, but I kept, you know, sort of drawing, like every once in a while, I would like, I wonder what Angie's doing today. I wonder what the lone apple is doing. And huh. I would like jot some notes. I would like, you know, now they're doing this, or this is a funny little thing. And I just file it. And um, so they become, so you created these characters, but then at some point they sort of take on a life of their own. 
totally yeah 100% oh my god yes absolutely and um and they really I mean when when writers or cartoonists or whomever says that the characters speak to them I I really hear it I, oh, it's yeah. really interesting it's it's really fascinating so um fast forward into the 90s um I had gone to graduate school at Northwestern and we uh and this is going somewhere trust me um <laughs> I, I, I had a, I took a storytelling class and at one point the teacher was like, I want you to tell a, I want you to tell a story that's really visual and use visual aids, like some way that you can, you know, do it. And I had been in a children's theater uh, puppet show production of a book called The Big Orange Spot uh, several years before. Oh, so, so the big what? The Big Orange Spot. Okay. So it's a book by Daniel Pinkwater published by Scholastic. Uh, I think it's published around 1977. And I was in a puppet show that had adapted it uh, as literal puppets, like I was actually doing puppets for, for children. Um, and uh, so I told the story as, you know, as a visual. And, I, and there was a lot of little details to it. Like there's a house, all the houses on the street are the same. And uh, then one day a big orange splat falls on one of the houses and the guy, instead of painting it over, he adds like baobabs and then he gets an alligator and he like paints all these fun shapes on his house. And it's all, you know, and then all the neighbors come to tell him, please stop, please, please turn it back to normal. And instead, and then he talks to them about their dreams. And suddenly the whole neighborhood becomes this, this wonderful expression of everybody's selves. And I couldn't remember some of the stuff. So I just cut it out of construction paper. And as I was saying, I was like, oh yes. And then there's the pen and I would like put it on the thing, you know, and then here's the thing. And I put it on the thing. And somebody was like, that would really make a great show. Hmm. So a few years later, uh, out of the blue, a friend I had talked to who was a choreographer in LA brings uh, me up and he says, we have Long Beach Civic Light Opera interested in the Big Orange Flop, the musical. My writing partner and I have written songs. Can you come to LA for a couple of weeks and write the script? Wow. This is out of the blue. I've never written a script before in my entire life. And, um, but I was like, sure, sure. why not? <laughs> now picture, picture it, Sicily, 1932. Uh, picture it, it's, it's the early nineties. I have a computer that has a tower, like, like, that's like this big, it's like a tower, right? And then the monitor, which is like, you know, those old monitor things and a keyboard. And I I had to schlep that from where I was living in Chicago all the way to LA. <laughs> and I stayed with a friend and I think my desk was like books and a piece of wood. And then yeah. I put the monitor on it and I was like, oh. That's the best kind. <laughs> right, so, and Mark, the choreographer and I got together and we talked through all the ideas that we had and we put them all on note cards each individual and we laid them out end to end on the floor of his apartment and then put them in order and then i sat down to write and i'm like okay how how do i do this all right so a title page okay the big orange splop oh that's easy <laughs> okay uh you know like cast of characters okay let's start talk let's start putting that together so i just kind of did it as as you like creating the script from scratch and they really started to talk to me, mm. all these characters. They just, I can't describe it. It's, 
uh, a children's playwright, Susan Zeter, uh, says something like, and I, I can't seem to find the real quote, but something like her stories, she said, come to her. She, they don't come from her. They just pass through her. Like, they're, like yeah. they're, coming, they're going, they're starting from somewhere else. They're passing through her and she's writing it down and then they're on the way to somewhere else. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps because that experience was like that. I really was like, I'm just transcribing somebody else's show. And I know I wasn't, I wasn't like, I wasn't plagiarized, yeah. but I feel like I was like taking something from the ether. It was just the most amazing experience. And I, I would say if you talk to a lot of different kinds of creatives, whether they're artists or, I mean, in my songwriting too, I have those experiences. Any, yeah. Anything that where you are doing something creative, yeah. that when you really get like zone in on it, you're not creating anything. Basically, you're channeling something. It's coming. I have no idea where these songs come from. I'm grateful for whatever it is. So, <laughs> and and then you know, like a month later, the show went on, and I was like, okay, well, we need to fix a couple things, a couple minor yeah. things, just some plot stuff, you know, just like a, a couple of little things that didn't really work that we could fix. And uh, you know, it had a bit of a run here and there, and then we sort of discontinued it a while ago because of various you know rights issues and stuff. We, we had some rights to do it for uh, non for profit and schools, um, but I've been trying to crack getting the real rights for a long time, and I can't seem to get that. But that's a whole other conversation, not today. But um, so so now so more so now than when I was in, when I was a teenager, I feel like the Lone Apple and the Mass Grape and Angie and whomever, I feel like they talk to me and I'm just mm -hmm. transcribing and they are telling me what the story is and they're telling me what the joke is and they're, they're, they're revealing themselves to me. And uh, I, I'm so grateful for it. Uh, and I'm glad that I, it's it's it. I can't say I'm great. I can't say that I'm grateful for the pandemic. Of course, however, mm. because of the pandemic, I have had two extra hours a day when I wasn't commuting to devote to it, and um, also a tremendous, especially last you know April May June, a tremendous tremendous amount of anxiety and terror of well, how am I going to get through this and yeah. what, what can I do to get through this and what I did to get through it through it was draw um and how it came about was um when I met Matthew my current partner um uh, in 2016 he wanted to see my old drawings these old comic strips from high school and um he he picked one that he really liked and he said, can you redraw this? And I did. And, and it's up on the, up on the, up on the wall over there now. Um, so I thought, well, maybe I could do this once in a while. So I kind of did a sporadic from late 2016 till a year ago. Uh, it was, I did like 69, 68 strips um, throughout that time. And it was sort of, I always tried to get on a schedule and I just couldn't, I couldn't, I just couldn't quite get on the right rhythm with it, you know? Mm. And I was actually kind of bummed out about a year ago and about it, you know, about that, about not being able to sort of do it more regularly and stick to it. And, um, uh, and during the early days of the pandemic, 
one of the things that I was doing with a lot of friends was just sort of, you know, texting happy Monday, happy Tuesday. And it was, it was for them, but it was also for me, of course, because it was like, I need to be anchored to something, anything, you know, that's real. And the days of the week are real and we can talk about it and it might spur a conversation. And, um, and my best friend, um, Roland, uh, who I've known for many years now, um, said to me at one point, why don't you just add a drawing to each one of those? So it's like Angie's saying, happy Monday. You know, like it doesn't have to be anything elaborate, just, just that. And he said, then, well, you could continue to do your drawing and, you know, still do this little thing and then send it out to people. And uh, that lasted two days until, and then I suddenly was like, oh, here's a joke. I'm going to do this joke. Oh, now I'm going to do this thing. Oh, now I'm going to do spring a f- string a few together. Oh, now I'm going to do a story. And so since last May 17th, I have done, oh, I figured this out, but I can't remember now exactly. Um, it's about 250 about now. Um, okay. Point. Um, so uh, that's So really, almost every day. Almost every day. Um, yeah. I have, there was... My, my job, my day job now um, as an events person uh, was, was super crazy from August to January. Um, and uh, it really, it just, you know, like I just couldn't do it every day. You know, like I would work on something and it, would, might, it might take me three days to do something that would normally have taken me one just because right. I just didn't have the time or energy. Uh, but I've been really committed to it and work has been knock on wood a little bit, super slow since early February, since mid-February, I've been a little bit quieter. Um, so I've been able to actually devote my evenings to, to the work. And, um, and I go through phases like everybody does with every, every work. Yeah. You know, where some days you're like, eh, this is a trial. And some days you're like, oh my God, I can't wait to get this done. This is amazing. I love this, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, that's just, that's just part of the process. Um, and I, and I recognize that. And I think what, what I think is the sort of biggest accomplishment within that thought and that internal conversation is I kind of don't want to do this today, but I'm going to anyway, because my commitment to myself and to my art is to do it every day. And as best as I can, when there's, you know, not external circumstances, um, uh, I will do it. You know, and, and that that means something to me. And that has really helped keep me grounded over the last year. Um, I don't know what, really what I would have been, where I would be at with if I didn't have, if I hadn't had this in the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and whether it's successful or not successful or nobody reads it or whatever, I don't, you know, like, yes, I care because I'm a human being and I'm as competitive and as, and as desirous for success as everybody else is. And yet part of the success though, is I did it today. You know, yeah. Today I did that. Yeah. Um, um, and on days I don't do it, I've, I'm more forgiving. I was really frustrated in the fall and I was, ah, you know, all that stuff. And now I'm more like, eh, if I miss it today, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. I'm telling a story and I'm at the end of one of my, I'm at the end of Legion of Bugs right now. So I'm kind of more like, I just kind of, you know, like I don't want to take another break because I have some momentum, so I don't want to really necessarily um, stop. Although we're going away for the weekend. So I either need to get like three done tomorrow, possible, but unlikely, uh, or I, I just skip until Monday. So yeah, 
and it's okay if you do you know yeah. either and way that's part of the again that's part of the forgiving yourself and and moving on and then yeah. and understanding you need to take a break here and there and you know and whatever so um and it, you know i don't have an editor at the moment screaming down my back you know saying where is that thing and i don't i don't have that so it's a luxury of eh, if i do it today it's great if i don't then yeah but i do understand the thing about momentum because like one of the things that i sort of regret not doing is that the, the latter part of last year i was incredibly uh not not productive in terms of creative things and so like i i didn't write any songs or anything i didn't actually work on my music at all and so now like i'm trying to get back into it and i feel so rusty you know um i'm actually planning something like in the third week of may um but like i haven't actually like actually sung anything either like so my vocals are all shot and like I, I'm sort of having an anxiety about it and like I should start <laughs> singing and, and start exercising my vocal cords but like, yeah but it's kind of so yeah just like chiming in there like um the when you do have a momentum sometimes it's important to kind of continue that otherwise like sometimes when you stop kind of getting back on it it takes a lot more energy to kind of like get back on on that thing well you know and there's also the piece of uh certainly 2016 there was sort of this thing that hung in the air uh which was why did i stop oh why did i why didn't i not do that what what have i been doing i missed this for 40 years i can't believe i missed it and that was there was some sadness and some mm. i wouldn't i don't know if i'd say regret because i'm not sure you know like i don't know if i'd necessarily be regretful about it but i think that there's a there's yeah. something in there i'm not sure what the exact feeling is but it's it's a it's a wistfulness of if i had the confidence when i was 25 or 30 yeah like now then you know maybe I would have a syndicated strip, but you know, but you can't really talk in that because that's not that's not the universe we're living in. And it's some parallel universe. Yeah. There's a me that's a world famous cartoonist. Yeah. Awesome. That's not this universe, unfortunately. But um, there was but, a reason why you stopped. Um yeah. I guess the question is why didn't you pick it back up sooner, maybe? Well, then, you know, I never really yeah. thought it was kind of an option. You know, like I was really focused on, I, I mean, and to be fair to myself, I was, uh, I went from graduate school, I, I, I went from coming out and sort of figuring out like what the hell I am and who I am uh, to graduate school, to doing a lot of children's theater in the 90s um, and through a wide variety of circumstances, uh, starting to MC and, uh, and plan and fund and produce fundraisers. Um, in LA and then um, moved to New York and then, you know, did this bingo thing, started working corporate events. And, um, you know, it's all about like, hey, I have to earn a living. Hey, I have to do something that will- There's that, yes. So I have to, you know, have health insurance and, you know, and, and a job and, um, and, you know, and, and also this prevailing, you know, underlying thing of like, you know, of sadness of not, of, of not having, pursued it you know and so the gift yeah. that Matthew really gave to me was the gift of this again you know yeah of, of sort of restoring it to me and one and also like it wasn't like you were doing nothing else 
well, you know what I mean? It, it was kind of busy. You know, I was really yes. busy doing a lot of other stuff. And, yeah. and I really feel that the stuff that I was doing is really meaningful. And I raised a lot of money for different organizations, uh, especially in LA. I really, really, I can really feel good about that part of my life and really did uh, some amazing stuff that I'm, that I will be proud of for the rest of my life. It, it means that maybe those years I could have, should have been drawing. Yeah, I, you know, there's no way to go back and, and, and redo that. Or to, it wasn't even really a thought in my head, except for a little like, oh, Angie, that's funny, you know, draw a note and throw it in a folder somewhere. Um, which, you know, what's kind of the remarkable thing about also about this is that this has really prompted me to literally do a life cleansing. And I found a lot of stuff that I, have done over the years that I threw into a folder. And some of those things are a little funny. Some of them are stupid. Have you, you know, but maybe one of them is something that I can, you know, reuse into a different yeah. idea. So yeah, exactly. Uh, so you've, you've kept all those. Yeah. Yeah. I have a tendency to lose mine. <laughs> no, seriously. Cause like before I started writing songs and now, you know, it's mostly on the computer. So like, and now it's mostly on the cloud in the cloud so it's it will be difficult to lose it other than like forgetting exactly where i filed it away right, right. but um but yeah no i have this tendency to lose like physical stuff like because there are i'm sure books and piles and volumes of stuff that i wrote like on backs of like menus or napkins or receipts or whatever anything that i had handy that yeah. i have no idea where any of those things are anymore like yeah they were lost over the years yeah well my superpower is organization <laughs> that has always been my or my superpower or one of them and um i don't know if you can really see it my, i've got a lot of wires here but you can see this yeah nice so see the yellow envelopes each one of the small yellow envelopes are ideas for, and each character has their own envelope. And then the bigger envelopes are, is all finished art from this last sort of time of my life. Um, and it's the only way that I can keep track of it. If I can't, if I, if I don't have it somehow here, I just can't, it's just, I can't, I can't find it. Yeah. And I'd rather be hyper-organized um, and be able to find everything than than not. I don't know if that really came out. Yeah, no, it's, uh, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. And um, I mean, you know, me losing my own stuff is my own fault. Well, there was, there's, it's a long story, but anyway, there, there, like my, my very early works. Uh, so I used to write poetry starting like high school. That's when I used to consistently. Yeah. yeah. So I'm a failed poet turned singer songwriter. <laughs> Or that's the official story. The actual story is slightly different, but anyway. Um, well, what's the actual story? Now you can't like, you can't just like build up the story and then leave it like that. Oh, okay. So the official story as to like how I became a singer songwriter was there was this poem that I wrote one day and I hated it as a poem. I thought it sucked, it failed. So uh, I decided to turn that into lyrics and that's how I started writing song lyrics and then eventually whole songs. Um, so you're not, you're, you're not, a, you didn't fail at all. It just, we're working in the wrong medium. No, right. So that's the official story. Uh, the actual story is I, one day I wrote this poem. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, well, the, I'm just, the I'm just waiting why... to hear how you're going to translate this into a big tragedy because it doesn't sound like a tragedy or a failure. No, 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 no. Well, no, it, it kind of rolls off the tongue uh, well. Like, you know, I started writing songs because um, of a failed poem. So it's like a failed poem uh, became lyrics and then the rest is history, you know, kind of thing, right? But the actual story is I wrote this poem one day and I liked it so much that I thought, hey, I wonder if I could turn this into song lyrics. And that's how I started writing songs. But I'm, cu I'm curious why you then, do you say it's a failed thing because it's funnier? Because no, of, you are so, a funny person. I think that I think that you're a very funny person. And oh, so I'm wondering you. if like, if you, I think you're, I think you've got a good sense of humor. It's one of the reasons I adore you. But, um, <laughs> But I'm wondering if uh, if if calling it a failed thing is just a humor thing, because I, uh, I like the second story. The real story is much better. It's oh. so positive and upbeat. It's awesome. Is it? Uh, I loved it so, so much that I wanted to make it even better and make it a song. Yeah. So the so the failed part does come into play, and so. Um, the reason why the official story is not the actual story is a false memory. So. Mm. Uh, so, so maybe years later, so, um, I started writing, um, 2003. So early 2003 is when that happened, when the uh, poem turned into a song. And then I had like three or four years of nothing. And then I started writing again and then kept writing. And that's when it actually really started. But the first song, um, you know, like after after two songs, I was like, oh, I don't have anything more in me. And uh, so, so it wasn't until years later that I started telling the story because people would ask, hey, how did you, you know, start writing songs? And I would say, hey, you know, a few years ago, I wrote this poem that I thought sucked because that's how I remembered it. Interesting. Yeah. But then many years later, right? So after I actually uh, released the albums, this is like 15 years later or something like that, between 10 and 15 years later, I released the album. And so the official story that I told during my album release party, you were there. It yeah. was that, hey, this is the song that got it started. And I wrote it, I wrote it as a poem and I hated it. And so I turned it into song lyrics and my uh, friends uh, set it to music and that's how it became a song. Years after that, I recently, like maybe a year ago, I went back to my old notes and I started reading my notes and in the margins, I actually wrote, hey, I really like this. I wonder if, if it would work as song lyrics. And like, wait a minute, that I remember oh. this whole thing incorrectly. That's so, but what happened was, so I liked the poem so much that I turned into song lyrics. And after I turned, the song, it turned it into lyrics, it was the lyrics that I couldn't stand. And I'm like, this sucks. So that's why I gave it to my friend for a second opinion. Interesting. Okay. And that's when he said it to music. And that's how the song became. And then I got mad at him for sending it to music because I just wanted his opinion. <laughs> I'm really mad at you for turning my song into a better version of itself. I know. But 
but he liked it so much that's why he said it to music that's th this all sounds like great news this all sounds like success and happiness and positivity that's amazing i you know loved he loved it but i know but but and then but because he said it to music and that, that's not what i wanted to do because i wanted to see if i could do it so i had to write another song immediately oh my god <laughs> this is a lot of work this is this is a lot you do a, you do as much work about this stuff as i do that's it's actually somewhat comforting i really actually glad to hear it so i had to write another song immediately just to prove that i could write a song you know or okay. just proving to myself yeah yeah no I, I i get that part i absolutely 100 yeah and so i did i was actually able to write it and this time i didn't tell my friend i did it in secret and it wasn't until it was all done that you know and then i and i told him um and then that was that was it like i couldn't write another song after that um and then you know three or four years later i started writing again and and then you know and then i started channeling <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's you know and i if you had told me a year ago i would have created as much as i created and i'd be in the middle of a legion of something called the legion of bugs i'd be like you're, you're fucking crazy like what's wrong with you what are you sniffing and but um you know, there's it. So I, I don't. I guess it's just to say that you know, there's there's no timetable on the stuff. Mm -hmm. That it happens when it's supposed to happen. It sounds cliche and trite, but I think it's true. Um, and I'm grateful that I, I, I'm I'm super grateful that it just sort of like popped out of the woodwork and we're like was like, hey, you know, pay attention to me now. Like it's popped out of the woodwork and told you pay attention, you know, this is what you're doing now. Um, and I, I find that really exciting. Um, now, I, I did submit my strips about a month ago. Yeah. And last Wednesday on a very, very bad day where we had a fire in the building and other stuff happened. Um, I got my first rejection letter. Hey. And they, I know, I know, I know. That's, that's so funny because I have a writer friend who said the exact same. He's like, yeah, you're first. And I was like, I know. Yeah, but it's a, uh, uh, well, let me tell you, back when I used to write poetry, I did submit one of my poems to uh, one of those like poetry magazine, you know, stuff. And I got a rejection letter. And uh, it was, it, it's, it seemed like a form letter. It seemed like, you know. Mine was a form letter. I mean, yeah. But they did, I, I just want to just say yeah. that they did say, and, and I know that this is only in my head, this is absolutely not reality, so I'm very clear about that, but they say, you know, like, blah, 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 thank you very much, blah, 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 does not suit our interest, blah, 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 please feel free to submit again in another six months with entirely new characters, situations, and jokes. Oh, really? <laughs> it said something like that, and I was like, I know that's just part of the form ladder, but in my head, it's bold, italicized, the font is huge, and there's glitter on it, so. Well, my form letter was very, uh, you know, treated me like I was made out of glass or something. It went on and on about like how, uh, the fact that they're not accepting my submission has as no reflection on me as a writer, as an artist. I know it was like oh re really you got a pre-therapy session in there. It's awesome. <laughs> it was, I mean, I, I got really, better luck, like Charlie. I, submit something better. <laughs> That's what I got. So I didn't feel like I needed that kind of like you know stroking, but I was like, <laughs> so 
my conclusion after reading that letter was like, oh, I guess they really understand the fragility of the artist's ego. <laughs> The comic, the comic strip syndicate, so did not. They were lovely, but they was like, oh, I mean, I really feel like it might, it might, like if they could have put it in bold and had glitter on it, they would have. But that's the vibe I got. But I'm sure I'm completely just bringing to my own security and projecting into a letter that they send out to like a thousand people a day. You should, so. you should definitely save that letter. I don't know what happened to my letter. I probably lost it, like everything else. Uh, but I should have saved it. But um, but yeah, you should definitely save that letter and yeah. and oh, yeah. pull it out when you do become a syndicated comic strip oh, artist. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it. I mean, it. We had. Uh, it was just on a day when uh, some weirdo things happened at work. We had a fire in the building. It was just like. This is just one of those days. And I'm and it's almost I'm almost kind of grateful that it happened all in the same day because then like all the crap got yeah. kind of condensed into one one weekday rather than spread out. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, it, it left me a little wrecked for a couple of days. Just the just everything, like not just that, but just like yeah. sort of like, you know, the combinate the combo platter, you know. But um uh but that's gonna happen. And I think you can't. I mean, I think it's I think it's completely reasonable and rational to feel it. But I don't think oh, it's, yeah. I don't think it's healthy or necessary to like then dwell on it and sit on it for the rest of your life. There's a bunch of other places I can submit. I can submit again in six months. Um, I can create my own thing. I don't, you know, like it would be great to be syndicated. But there's also lots of opportunities in today's world uh, for doing it yourself. You know, mm -hmm. like Patreon, and and just to start out, just to start out with a Patreon, and um, and then there's a whole you know sort of level of Comic Cons and you know, putting your work out there and and doing all that. So, you know, like one rejection letter isn't going to no. change any of that. Forty or fifty thousand, yes, I might get upset at that point. <laughs> well, you know, you know the um, the story that uh, the people often. Uh, uh, sort of retell whenever you're talking to somebody who's trying to create something or do something new is like Thomas Edison failed like 10,000 times or something like that and yeah, trying like, to invent yeah. whatever it is that he invented I yeah. forget what did he the light bulb yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's a thousand or ten thousand but it's, it's definitely it's a ridiculous number and yeah. then like he succeeded on that number plus one, like, and I, and I, and that is true. You know, yeah. there's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a LinkedIn traditional story and all, there's all that kind of thing that's all around LinkedIn. I'm sure you've seen those as well as I, and that they're all self-help and they're all like, rah, rah, but, you know, but no, but they're, and, and they are yeah. you know, superficial, but they, but at the heart of them, there's, there's a real message there. And there's a, you, no, know, there fine, you don't know how close you're going to be to success. And, and if you quit, you, you could have been like I, there's a there's a drawing of yeah. like a guy like in the mine right and he's mining and he stops because he's not finding any diamonds or rubies or whatever and it's and, but right like, there and it's right there if he just gone just a little bit more so um you know creativity is i think it's like vegas it's like you get enough wins for you to keep playing um and you know at one point you either say, I got, you know, I'm done or, you know, you go, oh, 
that was, you know, I got a big win. Like, you know, yeah. And if you're smart, you like you bank it and you go, I'm now I'm done. Yay. But um, I think I'm of the mind that if you do it because you love it, you know, well, that's only true for commercial success, right? So right. if your goal is commercial success, yeah, then there is such thing as failure. But when you're creating something and you're doing it because you just love creating yeah. it, then there is no loss. There is no failure, you know? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it sort of ties into what I was saying, you know, uh, you know, beginning of the conversation really about like, I'm seeing a lot of stuff, which I really, there was very little to no pay for, for 90% of it. Yeah. And, uh, and I didn't do it to make money. I did it because it was a, the right thing B, I just, I just loved all these projects. I loved the MC, I love the shows that I did. I love all of it. Um, and I did it for the love of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, it, it, it was, and still is a true, uh, source of joy for me. Um, and, you know, and for me right now, the strip is, is sort of taking that place and, um, you know, so, uh, I, I'm trying to sometimes, as I'm sure you're the same way and every artist is, sometimes you just, you know, you're like, I just want people to see this and I want to make money, you know, and, <laughs> you know, like there's that part, right? And, but ultimately, you know, in the, in the in-depth part of that, yeah, so the, the creation of it is its own success. Yeah. Um, uh, well, let me tell you a funny story. Uh, so I get these like weekly notices from Apple Music uh you know telling me like how many plays i got on you know of my of my album that's out there and uh and every week it's zero <laughs> and, and the other day um i happened to be looking up some uh you know musical artists and and i look at her spotify page and it was like you know over a thousand plays or whatever it was and i'm like Huh. And then I look at my Spotify page and like, how many, I had two plays, two plays that month. <laughs> I'm hey, like that with Instagram. I'm like that with Instagram because I follow a lot of cartoonists Yeah. Um, because I want to see what's out there. And although I think I kind of want to, I'm worried about like, I don't want to read a lot of other people's stuff because I don't want to get yeah. influenced and I don't want to yeah. unintentionally steal something or whatever. Um, and I don't want to get into that game because that's not that's not a game I want to play. But for right now, it's kind of cool just to see a lot of other people and I'm meeting some people, just other people who are probably doing the same thing that I'm doing. Like they have their, their real job and then they're doing this as this thing that they love and with sort of some hope of like, well, maybe I could be successful at this and make money at some point. But it's really interesting and there's some really interesting work out there. I mean, there's some really interesting work, um, uh, some really kooky stuff. Uh, <laughs> And some stuff that's just crappy, you know, yeah. and, and some stuff that's just magnificent. And you're like, why are you not making a billion dollars? Because you're fucking amazing. There we go. So I've, I've, I've now loosened up after an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and then there's, and then there's the thing, and I, I will, I will be publicly admitting that I'm as, I'm, I'm, I'm as petty as everybody else is on the planet. When I see somebody's comic strip, that is literally a piece of crap and they have like 5,000 yeah. likes yeah like, what 
in the hell are you liking it? That is a piece of crap. The art is terrible. The joke is dumb. It's not laid out well. I don't even understand it. What the fuck is you getting? You know, so I could get all very upset about that. I try not to, as you can tell, I, I, I try not to dwell on it too much. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, it is, it, and, I, and I say that, and I'm, I'll just be honest that I do do that, you know, and I, I'm assuming that everybody, every other artist does the same thing. I'm sure, sure. someone's looking at mine and going like, how's this guy got, you know, because that's not very good. I'm sure, obviously, that's just, everybody's got their taste. That's fine. Um, so, but I am, like I said, I am enjoying really seeing some people's stuff. I, I've come across some really strange stuff. Uh, there's one guy who who I've written to, and I just think he's I think he's just kind of marvelous. Um, but he's got a comic strip called Dope Cat. Dope Cat. Dope Cat. Dope Cat is a cat that smokes dope. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. So oh, dope yeah. as in marijuana. Yeah. Okay. Dope as in marijuana. Marijuana. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The marijuana guy. Yeah. And it's. I think it's just hilarious and it's goofy and it's very much in like the crazy cat kind of vein like you know it's it's very like almost 1930s feel and so in the drawing style is super old and cool and then it's got this really modern sensibility so it's a really interesting synthesis and um i mean you know there's a thing of like well that's not going to be in the washington post you know that's that's you know it's, it's possible maybe it will be but that's probably such a subject matter that probably won't be that but i find well, it really i don't know it's I, marijuana i, I don't know either i don't know legal. yeah but i can't see it next to blondie and dagwood you know and, <laughs> and whatever one feels about in you know that but um uh so uh anyway so but yeah i, I do love his comic strip and so i'm always i, I find myself talking him up a lot because i just think he's great and uh, and there's a couple other strips that are just really inventive and interesting. And again, I, I think I have to stop reading them because I'm worried about like unintentionally copying. You know, yeah. You know, in, in a way that I just, you know, like if I unintentionally pay an homage to like a Peanuts or a Bloom County, which I have a couple times, uh, intentionally done that. That's different. Um, yeah. That, yeah. That's a little bit different. You know, that's, in fact, I had an Angie uh, that I just, sort of came across when I was looking through some stuff from last spring where um, I had had her flying a kite and um, she just can't, you know, get it to fly. So she goes inside and she uses a fan, you know, to keep a thing. And I was like, well, this is such a peanuts thing. I mean, this is really a peanuts idea, this, you know. So I found the peanuts font online and I structured the strip like it would be a Sunday peanuts strip like with the boxes and, and instead of like all my stuff is like a tower. So, but I had it as a, as a horizontal and um, I don't think anybody got it, but I loved it. I thought it was like, you know, really great. And I was like, Oh, I can do better. But like, this was a good first try. And I, and I, I get what I'm doing. Right. So, um, and you know, I've got like every once in a while, I'll do a little biff something um, at the beginning of Legion of Bugs. Um, I did a whole rip off. <laughs> Um, to uh, a DC Comics, Adventure Comics 247, Introduction of the Legion of Superheroes. And uh, the, the original cover is like, oh God, a billion years ago. And it's got Superboy and he's in the middle of this room and there's like a, there's like a desk there with like three superheroes and they're all voting no because he doesn't, he doesn't have 
a unique enough superpower for them, you know? And it's a really goofy thing. So I, I kind of just totally ripped it off as like the lone apple yeah. cover. And I, I got done with it and I have to tell you, I was like, I don't care if anybody in the universe thinks this is funny or interesting, but I freaking love that piece of art. I just, yeah. I really loved it. And I was so happy with how it came out. Um, I was really, really happy with that. And, um, and I, and I've done a few other things. Like I just did a, um, an homage to Captain Marvel the other day where it was Captain Movel. Cause I do a lot of cows. I don't know why I do cows. Maybe from the <laughs> stuff. Cows are easy to draw and cows. There's like a million puns that you can do with cows. So I, I just, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Is yeah. it Gary, Gary Larson? Uh, Gary Larson. Whole, yeah. He's another did a whole bunch of things with cows cows he is all about the cows and the women with the cat eye glasses and yeah I, yeah <laughs> and, I, and i'm really influenced by him too like so like this telephone operator that i was referencing a little while ago she has like the cat eye glasses and i know that that's completely directly from gary larson i, I absolutely know it but i also know that like that's sort of a level of homage and, and swiping that is okay you know I, yeah. I can't describe it i just feel it sort of feel it you know but um and um and you know, it's really, it's, uh, I just, I, I love, I, I just love peanuts. I, I read all 50 years of peanuts. Oh yeah. Last autumn. Uh, I, I, yeah. I had bought the, the Fantagraphics is this publishing house out of, uh, I think it's Portland, Oregon. And they, um, they publish all these, uh, collections of different strips from like the last hundred years. Um, and, uh, peanuts has 26 volumes. And it took me a few years to get them all because they're kind of a little pricey. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's like, I don't have the money to just like to drop a couple thousand dollars and buy all of them at the same time. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I have the money, but I can't spend the money on 26 books. Like that's not responsible. <laughs> um, one can, but one sh what should one is the question, you know. Yeah. It's not like buying shoes in my, and leaving them in my cubicle for days on end. I, I, uh, you're, yeah, I know you're pointing at me. Uh, I know, funny. I love your shoes. Yeah. Um, For those who don't know, JJ would buy shoes, keep them at her desk, and then one evening would like try them all on and return, and you would return some of them, right? And then like keep the rest. Yeah. So I thought I, I never, I never knew anybody who did that. So that was really fascinating to me. So I'm fixated on it. Well, it's not, it's not that I kept them in my desk. It's I had it all delivered to the office because. Well, because it was easier to accept packages at the office than than uh, at home because I'm never home. Um, so yeah, so I would order shoes, um, especially boots. Like I can't find boots that I, cause my, I have such fat calves that oh. um, yeah, I can't fit into regular boots. So I always had to order these wide calf uh, boots. And so, you know, you can only order them Anyway, so I would, yeah, I would order a whole bunch of shoes and then I would actually model them in front I know, of my it was so great. coworkers. Yeah, it's like, which one do, do you like? And I would keep <laughs> like one or two. I would order like five or six and yeah, I would keep yeah. one or two and then return the rest. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I've now, since then, I have met other people who do similar things, especially with the internet, like uh, 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 through Stitch Fix and other dress and clothing yeah companies like that like I, I now I understand that that's just something that people do I I'm I'm not a clothes horse I'd be I'd be happy in like a t-shirt and jeans or pajamas for the rest of my life and be completely and 100% happy and never 
you know, like I have some nice clothes, but I'm like, eh, I don't really care. Um, which has been also a great boon for the in the pandemic. Like I can dress however I want. Yeah. Like I can shave my head, which I'm loving. Yeah. And, and uh, I can do it. Nobody cares anymore. Um, and I can dress down as far as I want, and nobody cares. And I don't, care. <laughs> I don't care. Um, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I have a suit. I have a couple of suits, and I look and I and I look good in a suit, and I I like wearing my suits. Yeah. But you know that's. that's the job that's not my default um and and i guess that's sort of a the schlubby artist sort of there's like something in artist brains that are all sort of we're all sort of schlubby i've met i've been meeting some other artists and i'm like oh my god we're all the same this is this is insane i mean like you guys are famous and like super wealthy but we're all dressing (laughs) super schlubby it's great i i think there is a thing with a creative person that requires some aspect of their life to be chaotic in order to function. Um, Yeah, because I I feel like, you know, uh, there's a part of me that craves order because there's a part of me that is so comfortable with mess and chaos that that the other part is constantly trying to organize and, and, you know, and bring order to my life. But then the chaotic part is constantly chaotic. And so like, yeah, so it's a never ending battle. Like there's always one aspect of my life where it's like, it's a, it's a shit show, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I'm like, well, as I said, my, my superpower is organization. So everything is pretty, pretty organized. And when I get a pile of papers, which I have right here, this for me is my chaos. <laughs> This is, I'm sorry, I'm not completing the picture. I'm so sorry. This are all my notes for the Legion of Bugs for the ending for the next couple of weeks. This is all of them. This for me is chaos. I have crazy. I have a pile of paper that I have to go through. And this is like, I don't know, either I have to file them away or throw them out or something that I keep shuffling back and forth between my desk chair and my bed and back and forth. So when I have to use my desk, I have to take it off my chair and put it on my bed. And when I want to, you know, lie down on my bed, I have to take it off my bed. <laughs> and it just goes back and forth, back and forth every day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't have that problem, thank goodness, because that would that would do me in. That would literally do me in. But in my current setup now, so um, I'm in this, I have a two-bedroom apartment. On the Upper West Side, uh, rent stabilized, uh, and uh, it's three hundred square feet, three rooms of ten. I think that's three hundred square feet. Oh, I and don't know. I don't know. Nobody seems to know. I keep telling that, and nobody knows. But um, in any event, uh, so I've kind of taken over the middle room, um, and on this this surface, uh, I have my work computer and my work monitor, which are now put put away so I can focus on this. Thing. But every day, every single day, at, in the morning, I take down the drawing table, which is usually right here where you are, um, fold it up. It's it's now back there. You can see uh-huh. it sort of on the floor a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then I the monitor, work laptop, and then I take all that down. So I'm constantly revolving, and I. And it's a little it's part of, it's making it's part of the thing that's making me a little 
well, not even right now. That's that's only a necessity because um, of the cramped space that is New York apartments. You know, right? It's what yeah. I'm saying, and then that's and that's if you know, if I was in a different space, I could have everything on its own table. Wouldn't that right. be awesome? <laughs> I know that would be awesome. Yeah. The reason why I have a screen is because I don't have my own space to do anything. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, people think like I know people comment on the screen like, "Oh, that screen's so cool." It's like, well, it's a necessity. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. there. I thought about it too. I thought, well, maybe if I'm on camera, if I was on camera more for work, I think I would invest in something like that. Yeah, but you have your own room. You have your own space. I do. Yeah. Yes, and I and yes, uh, but you know, like in my head, and this is the dangerous place. It's up here. Um, you know, in my head, it's like, oh, it'd be nice if I had, a, like, I would love that kind of background, like something that I could put up and take down, but I'm not on camera very much at work. It's very, very, very rare, um, you know, for, for work meetings. And certainly, I mean, there's meetings with, with people I work with, but I'm not dressing up. I'm not dressing up for them. I'm, no, not, yeah. I'm not gonna do much for them. They're not doing, and we're, we all have a tacit understanding, like we don't, we're, yeah. not, we're not caring about that. But um, if I was doing, sort of like this and like four times a week or once a week or whatever like that yeah. then I'm like yeah I would I would I would buy a screen or something because I, I don't like I don't like the in I don't like the uh the backgrounds that are in all the platforms and we work with a lot of them at work um mm. of course because that's oh right right yeah those backgrounds are kind of stupid looking uh but this screen I actually got um like 10 years ago when I moved into this apartment so I actually bought it as uh, apartment decor and so I had it like against the against the wall to kind of like create like a frame and that's where I had the dining room table because it's a little space between the living room and the kitchen and like oh this will make a nice like nook you know so I had a dining room table and it had this against the wall and um, when I had initially set it up, it looked really pretty. And I had a nice tablecloth and like seat covers on the chairs and, and it looks really pretty. And so I took a picture of it. I don't know if I still have the picture. Again, I lose things. And um, yeah, but that's a digital picture. And this is before I started uploading stuff to the cloud. And so if I lost a phone, then I also lost the pictures. So. There was one phone that I lost years ago and I lost like 4,000 pictures on it because I had oh. not downloaded it. Yeah, I had not downloaded it to uh, to my computer or anything. So 4,000 pictures. And um, and there were some embarrassing pictures in there. <laughs> I had a external hard drive that crashed about, oh, about yeah. a year and a half ago. Yeah. And it had all 10 years worth of bingo pictures on it. Oh wow! It was and it was every week, and I had a photographer, and he would he you know was digital. Oh, wow. would, it's like take a hundred pictures every week, you know, and I would I would pluck like the I would go through them every week as a ritual, and uh, pick out like the best three or four, post them on the Facebook, or I had a newsletter, so I would put a couple in there. And, you know, it's like self promoting, right? Like you're you're saying like what look what a great time we had this week. You should have been there, but you can you you can come this week, you know, like it's all of that stuff, right? And, and there's a lot of friends and pose and a lot of the performers that I had on there and it was really neat. And then when I lost it all, where I thought I did, um, I literally just, you know, yeah, I thought I was gonna lose my mind, but I spent a lot, lot of money um, last summer to have it sent and rejiggered and 
they sent me the hard drive. And at first I thought, cause they said, well, we didn't get everything. We couldn't recover everything. We could only cover like 75%. And I was like, Ugh, you know, and I still, spent like, I still spent like a thousand dollars, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then, and I was looking through and I was like, okay, so let's put my sadness and my, and my, let's put the loss away and let's just see what I have rather than what I don't have. And I have to tell you, like at first pass, I was like, I don't have any of it. It's all gone, you know? And then like, I had some stuff, but it was like, you know, cause people send in like their promo picture, picture, right? Like, well, I had all of that, but I don't care about any of that. I don't care about some singer from 20 years ago sending me a picture of their headshot. Like, I don't need that. And I was like, great. This is the stuff that got saved, not the stuff that, you know, really means something. And then I found a subfolder and a subfolder of a subfolder and a subfolder of a subfolder subfolder. And I was like, oh, here's 40,000 pictures yeah. from 10 years of this show. Now they're not in the folders. So they're a little like I, you know, I, I can try to identify where they go, but at least I have them, you know, like right. that's, a, that's a long project that I haven't wanted to delve into yet. But so I wonder. Did, did the metadata also save? Like, did it have, you know, because the metadata would maybe have like timestamp and all that stuff, all that's like screwed up too? Well, no, it has the dates of it, of all when the pictures were loaded. But, you know, because you get busy and, you know, at times when you're working or whatever, there were times when I would take four or five weeks of bingo and off the camera and, you know, and put them into folders because, again, Right, right. So it'd be like, you know, May 1, uh, 2006, you know, right. like these pictures. So I have that data. So, but that may not be actually when they were taken and they're right. not. Right. So I can narrow it down quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a, that's, that's actually a really good news. And also once I start, I was looking around though, and I was like, Here's a picture from sometime in 2010. There's there's a date on it, but it's I know it's not from the week of, that it says it is, but it's just four people talking, and I'm like, I'll never know where that is. I'll, I'll, I'll never really know where I can really put that. But I think what I'll eventually do is like put things into years. Maybe I can try to even get it down into months or something like that if I'm really feeling. But um, yeah, so there is some metadata there. Um, I just haven't taken the time to. That's a big project. Uh, when I saw how many, I mean, it was like 40,000. It was like something crazy like that. And I was like, oh, yeah. I can't, I can't, I, this is going to be a while to deal with this. So, because yeah. once you get started, you're not going to want to stop. Because you'll yeah. get just so into it, right? Yeah. I, I now have 70, over 70,000 photos and videos combined, like 75,000 or something. And I don't know if 100% of it is in uh, backed up in the cloud. I try to, but sometimes like the backing up, cloud backing up thing doesn't always sync up, you know? So yeah, but anyway. But anyway, and it's meanwhile, on my phone. <laughs> meanwhile, the photo, the, the, the film photos I took in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s that I printed up and put in photo albums, all still there. Yeah. All awesome. Yeah. Nothing's lost. So, you know, like I was going to digitize all my hard photos and I was like, and after this experience, I'm like, oh no, 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 not, not going to, no, no, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. So, if you have actual photos, just keep them somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have them super well organized, but yeah. Yeah. 
Well, anyway. Um, um, so, so should we share some of your artwork? Yeah, we can do that. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Stuff, right? Okay. Um, so I have it queued up here. Oh, yeah. Expand yeah. this. So, yeah, this is like when we started again, when I started again in 2016, this is the first one and uh, that I did. And, um, you know, and I look at it now and I'm vaguely embarrassed, but it's it's OK. Um, I mean, I, I learned how to uh, um, I mean, I can see that I that I drew in pencil and then I just inked it. Um, and didn't get all the pencil marks. That's okay. Um, and of course, later on, I started using actual typeface for um, all the lettering because it was just neater. <laughs> My handwriting is terrible, um, as you can see. Um, but what I think is really kind of funny about this is that uh, we have a song in the Bigger and Splot called An Ordinary Day. And so I specifically started out the strip with those words, sort of like to tie into another creative project that, you know, may never see the light of day, who knows, but in my head, it's like super cool. Um, and but this is a, this sequence starts off um, a sequence from the original comic strip where she went to the optometrist and she got her eyes checked and then she turns the camera and there's big check marks over her eyes. So um, I started this, it's just dumb. I mean, like it's, it's, we just, I love puns and I love dumbness and I just love all that stuff. So, um, and I like that she has, you know, in the early ones, she has a little bit of a conversation and, and sort of an argument with the omniscient narrator. You know? So, you know, like, like she's actually like, you know, and I, I will, I will do more of that. And I have done a little bit of that over time, but um, you know, uh, and, you know, and part of it also too, for me, and I, I realize that, you know, one can just say this without it being true, but this is actually true, is part of my idea about the whole memo sort of sequence of, of things is to show like a, tra a, a, a transformation, like, you know, and really almost like the history of drawing, right? Like, and mm -hmm. the, the, the progression of how it changes. And so part of that is actually embedded. And if you'll scroll back up, um, I'll show you something that nobody would ever know except for I know it, but that sort of off that sort of beige background, mm -hmm. that is actually a scan of some paper from a drawing book from my childhood. Oh, wow. Um, because after, I mean, like it is actually a little off color, but over the years, it's just sort of aged, right? So I thought that there was like, since if I'm having the sort of, if I'm having a sort of as a bottom line artistic thing where um, it's like the history of my drawing, then I should include some tools like the paper. And this paper is actually still in the strip. I still use the same background um, 317 uh, strips later. And there's just a part of part of that that I really feel is really important um, to keep, mm -hmm. you know, part of part of the whole artistic idea about it. I, by the way, I love it when artists um, explain their art. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. But I hate it. Like when I go to museums, and the only explanation is untitled. <laughs> Here's a painting that's just a big red square. Figure it out for yourself. I mean, yes, I understand that um, there's a subjective nature, and you know, and 
me interacting with the art piece and and figuring out what I gain from it and all that stuff. But you know what? There's also something to it, with like understanding where the artist is coming from. Like yeah. I I find that much more interesting than what I think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I I I like that too. So I'm you know this is why part of my idea about this is showing the evolution of not only by drawing but also mm -hmm. just sort of of the craft and everything like that. And I, I find that okay. I think that it didn't, it would be nice in a perfect world to, for it to have been perfect on the on day one, but it wasn't. And I I could have waited a couple of years until it was, but I don't think that would have served me. So th this felt like it really served me. And we can go to the next one because it's actually so, been like, oh, sorry. Yeah, so just a quick, so, I mean, you hand draw these things and you draw them and do you scan them? So it's changed over the over time. So this this particular one I drew in pencil and then I inked on top of it and then um, I erased the pencil. In most yeah. cases, you can yeah, see. Yeah, and I could see the, I could see the traces of the pencil. Yeah, there's a, there's a little there's a little thing, and then I go into Photoshop, and then so like, and then I will I did all the hand lettering, but then of course in Photoshop I did the panels and I did the, the little interior boxes. Um, I I think I think that there's I think what it is because the 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 panels are slightly different color. That's the color of the paper. So you're really and actually if you look closely, you'll see the texture of the paper. Um, yeah. And I was also doing that intentionally, in, especially in the early strips, because again, I wanted to look like this was in somebody's notebook, like a 13 year old notebook, and this is what it was. And I and I thought, yes, on one hand, that could, you know, so that can, that sounds like, you know, like, I'm pretending that it's more artistic than it is. But I actually really mean that I, I actually genuinely wanted it to look like this is something that you might see in a notebook left over from study hall. Yeah. You know? That somebody was doodling and i kind of think that that's part of the artistic idea about it i don't know if that comes off but it's it's kind of what's in my head about it um it comes off when you blow it up like this but yeah. usually i'm looking at it on an instagram post and it's yeah tiny. yeah <laughs> i mean it's changed a lot so like in these days it was pencil you know pen and then whatever and then it wasn't until a little while ago and it it you know this is you know we're getting a little bit better here um but as I'm learning to do these things, um, you know, like I learned about vellum, right? So like you, you, you draw it in pencil and then you put the vellum paper over it and then you trace it in ink. And then if you, if you've made a mistake, you just throw the vellum away and you just try it again. And also if you, you know, got a character and I, I found this a lot with me, like if I'm really struggling to like, draw a character a second or third time I just do some tracing until like really is in my hands and uh that certainly had happened with a lot of characters like now there's like Angie and Juniper and um Lone Apple Masquerade some other characters I can I can draw without referring without reference material um but I really needed that in the early times um, I'll, I will turn your attention over to, I do a lot of this little stuff and I think, I know it doesn't come through because it's so small, but um, like over on the first panel uh, with a cat, um, that's, a, that's an in-universe TV show called Kitty Corner. And a Kitty Corner sort of shows up every once in a while in the memos. And I don't, 
And I just think it's funny that a cat is a coroner and that there's like a weird crime TV show like starring this cat. Um, and of course, now I see all the mistakes and all the problems and I see all the you know, whatever's, you know, about this. Um, but I still like I love Juniper in this. I just love her. I, I, <clears throat> she was in the old strip um, and it, she was different in the old strip. And um, I was redrawing her for this. And uh, I got this inspiration about who she was. And uh, she's a real fashion she's like a real fashion person and I got to draw really cool fashion stuff. And I didn't think that I was really into fashion at all, but with Juniper, I love doing some research and drawing different dresses on her. Um, and, and you notice in this thing, it's like she's, she's a medical receptionist and she's got a cocktail behind the, behind the desk. Oh, which right. Is, which is not something that you'd necessarily notice. It's just sort of there. And that's clearly like a drink because there's like an olive there. <laughs> that's funny. And, you know, I love that kind of stuff where it's, it's sort of subtle. It's in the background, it, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not necessarily the focus of the joke, but it's a little bit of something in the, in the background. Um, yeah. But it's those little details that sort of add texture to the, to the characters. Yeah. Yeah. And um, in the original version of this, the check marks were, were just outlines. <laughs> and so in this version, I did them as solids and I was like, which works better? I can't decide. So, if I ever do it another version, I will. I will just keep trying with with that. But I love the. I love all the all the all the um, all the sound effects. They're all things from different, uh, like pocket a pocket a pocket is uh, uh, from. Um, oh, for God's sakes, I've forgotten the character's name. Um, Walter Mitty, and then ZZZ is the uh, from Superman. It's the sound that Jimmy Olsen's signal watch makes when he calls Superman. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think maybe the others are referenced too, but those two are for sure are, are references to um, other things. And again, you don't need to know that to enjoy it, but I think if somebody knew that, they'd become like, oh, that's kind of cute. Yeah, yeah. Or I hope so, I hope they would think that. I didn't know it. Um, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, what do we got next? I can't remember what I sent you. Oh, oh, I love this. The so, Mona Lisa. Yeah. So as I said, I love the cows. And summer of 2018, um, I I did a month where I think I did about 20 in a month, which um, at that point um, was like a huge accomplishment. You know, maybe not 20, maybe there was like 15 in a month. And one of the things that came out of that was Great Bovine's A Cow Story, which I just love everything about it. And I had done about a dozen of those over the years. And this was the first one. And uh, my partner, Matthew, loves the Mona Lisa. So, you know, so uh. was our choice. And I was shocked how, I mean, I won't say it's easy. None of this is easy. But I was surprised how maybe quickly this, this came together. You know, I, I, I kind of, in my, in when I was envisioning it, I was thinking, oh, geez, Louise, this is going to take forever. And, but I was like, I'll do it. And then it's like, oh, it totally came together pretty quickly. Um, and I thought about redoing it in color, but I think I really like it just like this in the, sort of like a sketchbook. Yeah, um, I think so. So I think it's really, and it's, it's sort of one of my, it's sort of the more iconic images that if you had, if you said, give me your 10 best iconic images, well, which is kind of what you did. Uh, 
this is one I would I would definitely choose. And I and there's some other great bovines of cow story that I really kind of like too. I did a I did a Moulin Rouge last year. Oh yeah. Um, and I couldn't get the crinoline to, to work out because I found a really great version of, of the of the movie poster with the with can can girls um, and and I couldn't get the crinoline. I couldn't get. It. I just I I tried for hours. I just couldn't get it to look right. It just looks stupid. And um, so I had to actually use the crinoline from the poster. And I wrote a note on the margin in the comic strip, like, I'm very sorry, please forgive me. I've actually swiped somebody else's art. You know, don't, don't hate me. Um, <laughs> somebody wrote a comment on Facebook. They're like, well, I, can't, I don't even know what crinoline is. <laughs> I don't know either. Yeah, um, well, it's, the, it's that material that like the can-cans, like that flouncy stuff or something. Yeah. So I, I couldn't quite, I just, I just couldn't get it. And it was, I felt it was more worth it to do it to just to, I felt it was more worth it to do it and to do it not quite a hundred percent of how I wanted it than to not do it and wait a year. So um, I think I could do it now, I think. Um, Cause now I think I have a sense of how to draw fabric um, mm. after uh, Betty the bed bug uh, is in a series where she's, wearing a tutu um and so I really worked on that and I was like now I feel like I understand how that fabric might flow a little bit with somebody who's dancing so I may I may retry that this summer so. um a couple of quick questions sure. so the title of your strip say it for me memo okay it's memo right yes. okay like this memorandum. entire time I know this entire time you know how I read it I know exactly. How I know exactly. I know. I don't I've know only why. We found out that people think that it's Mimo. I had no idea. Uh, I had a friend who's now passed away, who she re kept referring to it as Mimo, and I said, "No, it's Memo." It's like, "Oh, you mean Nemo?" I'm like, "No, it's not." Memo. And I found that other people who also thought it was the same thing, like Captain Nemo, and um, and I think that's really hilarious. And I'm not going to correct anybody. I mean, I'm I'm not going to put it in a strip, but. Memo was, remember I was telling you that my friend Ryan and I were passing notes. Yeah. Somehow along the way, we decided that those were called memos. Yeah. And I don't know why I have some of them. I'm sure it's like, you know, to, I think we said something like a memo to the head crazy person in charge of, you know, these notes or something like that. And I think we just, it just sort of stuck. And I created this logo. I created this logo back in high school. Yeah. And I recreated it when I was going through the prep for this in summer of 2016. Um, and I, I just no other titles seem to work. And I know that I don't know people, I'm sure don't know what it means. I'm not even sure I know what it means necessarily. It, you know, if I was pressed to say, who does it refer to? Nobody. It's just the communication, I guess. I, you know, I don't know. It, it, it feels like the right title for me. What can I say? It, it actually makes sense that it's memo, but I don't know why. I think maybe it's the type, you know, the way yeah. you have it. For some reason, it makes me want to pronounce it Mimo. That's funny. Yeah, no, I love it. I think it's great, and I, you know, I'll 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 continue. To, I mean, I'll I I'm not gonna like. I just I just think it's I just keep going back. <laughs> I think it's funny that we've got two different you know two different interpretations. Of it. I think that's great. But like, you're not alone in that. You're really really not alone. It's it's um, kind of funny. Yeah. Um, maybe and I will include it in an upcoming thing, in an upcoming little note or something with the strip, like how it's pronounced. You know, but maybe invite yeah. people to say it however they want. I don't. I don't. I don't care. Uh, um, 
So another question is, so what uh, part does Matthew play in? Because Matthew is the part of this, which is like a foundation. So first of all, Matthew really brought me back to, to this. Um, uh, you know, he really encouraged me to, to start drawing again. So if nothing else, that's, that's his contribution. Um, but his real contribution is he basically approves everything. Um, he sometimes adds some lines, he adds some drawing here and there. Um, he'll sketch out some stuff. He's very funny. Um, he, uh, I will be struggling with a line and he'll come in, read it and go, oh, this is what the line is. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so great. <laughs> um, and so I'm very grateful for his, him and his contributions of which there are many. Um, oh my God, Vermeer or Rama. So I don't know where I came up with this last, last autumn, but I came up with like this series of like the girl with the pearl earring and like all sorts of takeoffs. So uh, I think this is the last one that I have, although I have another one that I'm gonna do probably in May once Legion of Bugs is done. Um, and this was my Thanksgiving contribution, you know, the girl <laughs> with the turkey leg. Um, and it's just dumb. I mean, like, it's just a dumb pun. And I love drawing her. And she's super easy to draw. Because, like, once you've drawn her once, it's super easy to draw her again and again. And with lots of variations. I did one, which I'm not sure if I sent you or not, but Girl with the Pearl Gem Earring, uh, with a Pearl Gem T-shirt, excuse me. Um, I don't think I, so, yeah. I had one with the Girl with the Cheeto Earring. Um, <laughs> no, no, it was a Girl with... Oh, what was it? Oh, yeah, I can't remember. Girl with the Pearl Earring. So it was the Girl with the pearl cheeto or, or the cheeto earring i can't remember exactly but I have, it was just her but like suddenly had like a a, a a cheese puff through her through her ear like an earring and i thought that was the funniest thing i've ever seen and matthew looked at it and was like i don't get it i was like yeah you know i don't care you know i there's some things that i know that other people don't get i'll just i i, I will admit that uh, i don't get a lot of it oh i'm sorry <laughs> But I do, I do enjoy um, uh, looking at it and watching it. Um, I do want to get to the Legion of here's okay. Lone Apple. So you yeah. talked about Lone so this, Apple. We, a lot. We actually, yeah. This is the one that we were talking about. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, I was very happy with this. You know, this was like just three months ago. I can already see mistakes and problems and things that would change in a heartbeat because that's just how I am. But um, a couple of things that I think are fun. So um, like the box, the featuring, the yellow box saying featuring, um, I totally took that from Adventure Comics 247, uh, which is the intro of the Legion of Superheroes. And I just took it so I could put Legion of Bugs in there. And, right, right. Um, and I did the same for the yes and the no because they were so perfect. And I thought it was like such a great homage to put this in. And, um, and I was very happy with how all the bugs came out. And, um, and the reason that the one is on the floor is that I didn't know that bug's name when I drew this. I didn't know his name on that day. And I was like, well, if I don't know his name, I don't want to say it, but I want to include him. So he, he's knocked his down, which I think is funny anyway. So, you know, I'm, I'm quite, you know, again, I'm happy with all of that. Did stuff. he knock it down because he's drinking? Looks well, like he's totally a... drunk. I mean, and yeah. he's a stoner. I mean, he, he, we don't, again, we don't make it really explicit, but, you know, like between the lines, uh, Sid, you know, I think is the voice that I voice Sid in is like, hey, dude, how you doing? You know, like he's a real, it's not quite the right voice, but 
I hear his voice and he's really like, um, like one of those skinny old men that you see like in a small town that has like the long, like the long mustache and the long beard and like, it's like thinning, but it's like, he's got the long hair and he's got the swig around the top of Like that's it. Like that's who, that's who I envision that character as. And so he, everything he says is sort of like in that, in that voice, whoever, whoever that is, whoever guy that is. Yeah. Um, you know, you should, uh, so do you have like actual sound of the voices of each of your character yeah okay yeah. i can't i can't do them all like i can't book but they're in here okay um, like mighty and is the ant for those of you who don't know is the ant character in the middle which who's the main villain and i i think of him as sort of a very arch kind of character oh, i'm sorry lorna but we cannot admit you into our legion of bugs it's like he's like he's a little bit more like that and then betty who's our bed bug uh who i have great fun drawing and, and doing I think I think she talks in kind of a almost like a Toadie Fields voice and she's just kind of there and she's like she's always really trying very hard but it's hard for her life is so hard for her you know like, and so that's that's Betty and Betty does that um, um yeah you should you should definitely record like have voice recordings of these yeah. you should yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, she's she. I like Betty a lot. She's she was just sort of a, a runoff gag at some point, and then like she's now become like a major character, which I love. Oh, and this was one of my favorites. Um, this is just from a couple of days ago, actually. We, yeah. Um, so um, yeah, so the lone apple is being attacked by all the Legion of Bugs, and um, uh, I think you know what I can what I can tell you about the Legion of Bugs is that um, in my universe all bugs are from outer space and all bugs have these powers but they just don't show them because they're bugs on earth and they're here but uh so they all have like these weird powers and these things that they're spitting at people <laughs> and um and some of them aren't real like a couple bugs are in there of course are not real bugs um but they're alien bugs so i can fuss i can i can fuss a little bit and make some stuff up um and i really love drawing this i, I drew all these bugs independently. Um, actually, I got an iPad uh, about a year and a half ago. And um, I've been I've been trying to do some of my characters on the iPad digitally. Um, and I did, I think I did every bug on here. Yeah, I did every bug on here on the iPad. Um, so that was a really interesting experience. Um, because suddenly I didn't have paper. Like, and I couldn't just go erase something and change it. I was like, oh, it's digital. I can, don't have to worry about paper or pen. I don't have to scan it. Um, so that's probably how I'll eventually do it all. Yeah. Um, just because I think it's a little easier and I don't have to worry about paper and vellum and scanning and a whole process of that. So, and it's, you know, it's very comic booky. It's, you know, it's got bright colors. It's got the big sound effect, um, you know, it's, uh, and then you've got Marge, the ladybug, and Sid, the aforementioned mosquito, who talks like an old drunk guy, um, <laughs> and, or whatever, I don't know how you want to, stoner, um, you know, and they're just kind of watching because, you know, they're sort of borderline villains, which, you know, they've, they've now reformed in the last couple of days. So I'm, 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 I'm pleased to say that they're sort of in the middle of their 
you know they're like they're gonna they're gonna ditch the story the story is almost done and they're gonna ditch it and they'll come back another day because i think i think if there's other stuff i can do with them um and i think i've done everything i can in this in this particular story with them um i always think it's great to leave everybody alive and run out, running around the universe and you can always come back to them yeah yeah um yeah. Although, although we do have a habit of killing off uh, the murder hornets, we we've killed I killed off one, and um, I believe a similar fate may be coming to murder hornet two in the next. How many? Days. How many murder hornets are there? Well, there have been two so far, one last ah. summer and one now. So I think we will continue to bring them in and then killing them. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why. I just, I just want you know. And I, Betty will continue to do her dance. Betty does the Betty, which yeah. is this little weird ballet she does. Um, and I created a little video for that, um, which I'm not sure if you've seen, but it's it's goofy and weird. Um, and um, you know, so I'm having a good time doing all this stuff. It's all very, it's all very strange. Is it on your Instagram? It is all on my Instagram, which is, uh, well, I changed, I just changed it. Let me grab my phone because I have to double check if I can. Because <laughs> you can change it now, like with a drop of a hat. Uh, oh, it's, I know what it is. It is, oh, it's just my name, Andrew Altenberg Memo. Um, and Angie also has her own Instagram, although I don't, and Mighty Ad has a Twitter feed, which I don't spend much time on doing, but um they're fun little out of the universe or you know other ways to sort of promote and engage with the characters here we go here's the the betty one the video Let's see no that's oh that is the video it's got some music to it too uh wait okay hold on let me i have to share it with the i have to stop sharing and then I have to share it again with sound. Share it's, sound. Yeah. I had somebody help me with this. And he was like, what is this? I was like, it's something really stupid. Thank you. because instagram does that it plays yeah. on a loop yeah yeah it's really weird so um yeah i mean uh, it, it's it's super goofy and fun and um uh she'll come back and do the dance again before this is out and then we're gonna give we're gonna give her and all the legion of bugs and the lone apple a little bit of a break for a while and i'll go on to other characters <laughs> and, there's, and there's angie in the in the martini glass so i did this like almost a year ago I did this drawing and at the time I was like this is terrible this is the worst thing ever and I threw it all into a folder with a bunch of other versions and I forgot about it and then last week I dug it out and then and I and I actually redid it uh, I mean I just retraced it and cleaned up her eyes a little bit because they were a little weird in the other version but essentially I did this is I did this like a year ago and I just was not happy with it and then I was like what was I not happy with it's it's great what's 
what's the problem? See, this is where we're, we think too much, I think, about our. Yeah. Personal. Am I following you? I, I have so many account, uh, accounts. I think I am following yeah, you. Yeah, I think yeah. you're following me. Uh, well, no, I, I have three different accounts, so I have to make sure I'm yeah. following you from all of them because I go back and forth. Uh, so this kind of like reminds me, so Angie in the, in the martini glass reminds me of something that I did, a little promo thing that I did for one of my shows. Where was it? Here we go. Oh, neat. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. It's a little avatar of me. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cute. JJ's Joy Juice. Um, so at the time, um, so this event was hosted by a friend of mine and she, uh, every event she does, she'll concoct a new drink. Um, and so, and she would name it too. So she named mine Joy Juice. And uh, so I created this, this avatar promo, uh, you know, to put it on my social media. And, uh, and when I uh, told my guitarist, hey, this is what I'm putting up. He's like, JJ's Joy Juice. That sounds like a porn title. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, not my idea. It was given to me. So <laughs> anyway. Anyway, that's cute. Uh, but you've been, yeah. you've been doing a lot of stuff. That's good. Yeah, I mean, not that often though. Yeah. Like I only do, well, before the pandemic, I only did two shows a year. Um, and since the pandemic, I, you know, I did one live stream show last year and I'm, planning to do another live stream this year so it'll be may 21st a little plug oh uh, that's right you just said that yeah 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 no i'll i'll be officially plugging it soon i still have okay. to like iron out some of the details um but anyway yeah, yeah. hey it's almost nine o'clock so yeah i think I, um, uh, it's been great yeah I gotta, I gotta finish i gotta finish today's strip i it's it's right below this it's i've been looking at it on the other side of, of us, it's back here. I have it all drawn, it's all there. I just have to fill in the blurbs and post it. So it's- Cool. Um, it was it was, it was was um, something that I already had a little bit of work done last night. So it was super easy to do tonight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's um, the thing is you put things, you, you do things in, you know, in clumps and then you sort of scan it all and then you put it where it needs to be and all that stuff, so. Oh yeah, no, totally. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because like, so is your process the same for every strip or is, does it change depending on what you're doing? Gosh, that's a really great question. Um, you know, when I was sort of flailing all my papers around. Um, so, <laughs> you know, so, you know, like there's this, I just always just write down ideas, right? Yeah. So there's, there's a bunch of stuff that, uh, what I call one shots. So they're like little ads, a little this, a little that where um, they don't fit in anywhere else. They're just going to be something I'm going to do someday. So there's sort of a folder for that. So when I get stuck, I just pull something out. I look through it and go, oh, I want to do this today. You know, like there's um, uh, there's like a, a muffins. There's a muffins by Melissa uh, satire that I'm looking 
looking forward to do. It's just it's just a fun throwaway little thing. It's nothing really big deal, but it's just something fun I want to do. You mean those like um, little bite-sized muffins? Yeah, the little yeah, bite-sized yeah. muffins, right? And then I came up with a couple things for Krispy Kreme ads. I, I I think of a lot of stuff for ads, so I don't know why, but that's just where my mind kind of goes, right? And so I do a lot of that stuff. And then with the stories, um, I kind of write out the general outline and then like some moments that I really love. So, and part of my process is that I leapfrog. So I'm finishing Legion of Bugs, but I've already got ideas in these things for other stories. Now, right. when I get to that, I don't know, but like a line might come or there was one thing that I cut from Legion of Bugs because I just, it didn't really fit when I got to it. It didn't, it didn't quite fit right and so i and it killed me to cut it i didn't want to cut it and i was really like how can i how can i ram this in how can i just i don't care i'm gonna fit it in and i'm like what am i doing wait what am i doing i got tons of i got i got weeks and weeks and months and years to fill why am i rushing to like throw this one teeny thing into this thing when i didn't set it up i didn't set it up right it was my fault i didn't i didn't set up this this thing that I want to do right. And it was a kind of a throwaway thing anyway. But um, so I was like, okay, so how can I still use that? And it's really just an image. It's an image that I just, I, I want to use somehow. And now I've formed an entire story around this tiny one image that I was going to use in two panels of Legion of Bugs. And that's got its own folder. And I'm like, okay, well, so now Lone Apple is going to see, you know, going to, this is something that's going to happen. And I have now time to build this up in the future. Right. So, um, and with like the nanny and Angie and Juniper group uh, with, uh, so at the end of um, that story, at the end of January, um, Nanny Noodle Eggs encountered the robot Martha in her kitchen. It was a good cliffhanger. <laughs> this is fun you know like and but i'd written a whole dialogue a whole set of dialogue for the two of them but i wrote that i wrote, wrote that like in november because one day i was sort of thinking about the characters and this whole conversation came out of me and i wrote it down now will i use it word for word unlikely but the gist is really interesting and i and i really think that it's it's worth using so but like by the time i use it i'm not sure you know i wrote it in i wrote it like in november i thought legion of bugs would take less time i thought i'd be into the new story by now i'm not it just happens and so whenever it gets whenever it gets out there like it's already been written six months ago like there's actually some stuff coming up with lone apple and mass scrape probably about a week and a half that i also wrote like several months ago again it just sort of it yeah. just sort of came out of me and then i file it where i think it's going to fit and then when i get there if it doesn't fit then i move it somewhere else um, and sometimes it's just a line or a goofy thing or a reference or like i said with this one thing it's it's an image that i really i thought was fun and interesting and and, and kind of sci-fi e and i kind of want to use it um, but rather than like a tiny bit in one story, I can make it the thing of a whole mm -hmm. nother story. So it's, you know, all of these things kind of happen. I, uh, I had a character, I did a fake ad the other day, uh, it was part of the Lone Apple story for the squeeze. For the what? For the squeeze. The this... squeeze is this bodybuilder ad that I did. Oh, okay. Okay. So he's like a big bodybuilder and he's like, it's just, it's just a dumb, you know, middle of the story ad. 
but I have an idea about this about the squeeze for something I want to do with Lone Apple in a couple of months or in a few yeah. months, whenever I get back to him. But I thought of that idea 30 years ago. <laughs> like this was one of those things that like one day in the early 90s, I was like, oh, this would be a great, a fun little story for the Lone Apple. And I wrote it down and I put it in the folder. Yeah. And now I'm going to use that. Now I don't have a line. I don't have a joke for that, but I have a story, a little bit of a story for that. Yeah. And, um, and then the jokes kind of come as they come, you know, through the situation. Um, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So, you know, that's, that's kind of my process. And it, uh, I have to tell you also, I will write things. I tend to write things sort of as, um, how do I want to phrase it? Um, like writing dialogue, nobody ever says what they really mean, right? So it's always, they're always, so I write what they really mean first, and then I find another way to say it, especially if it just sounds too pedantic or doesn't, doesn't sound real or it's too serious for a comic strip, you know, for, for, for this material. Um, and some of my best alone, some of my best mass grape stuff has been stuff that I thought of on the fly. You know, he's trapped in mayonnaise and he's like, hey girl, how's, hey girl, what's happening? You know, and I was like, oh, that's right. He should be like kind of loopy and crazy, you know? And like, he, like his super gay self comes out. Like he's like this sort of like buff, buff guy. And then he's like, he gets all like loopy and like, oh, hey girl, you know? And so I want to do like, I've, I'm finding new dimensions of the Masquerade that I had no idea. Masquerade is another superhero from my childhood that, I kind of repurposed for this strip, you know, and, um, and there's a lot of that, which is really exciting because I get to use these characters that I did 50 years ago that I created back in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Carrot Head and Strawberry Girl are a couple of characters that have been mentioned in the strip a couple of times as being lost in time. And they were also characters, like there was this whole group of, her of heroes. And so, you don't need no, no like you the, any other reader doesn't need to know that but for me it's this extra added little thrill that like i'm kind of making these characters come to life that i've been living with for yeah five percent of my life um and i get to give them vision and i get to color them and i get to you know have them speak dialogue and you know really breathe life and become people and become living beings i should say are there any characters that had been created that now you feel like you don't want to revive them? Uh, there's a couple that it's not the right time to revive them. They will eventually. And I'm laying down, there's actually one character that I'm laying down a very, very, very long um, thing. Like we won't actually get he's already in the strip, but it's a character from, from uh, the old days. Um, he's already in the strip, but not in the form he was in the old strip. And I'm, and I'm loving in my own head, like, oh, nobody, even Brian, who is no longer part of that process, but, you know, reads this, even he doesn't know that this person is already in the strip. He has no idea, which I love. You know, I just, I love yes. part of that because it doesn't matter to the regular reader, but it, it totally matters to me. And it totally, like, yeah. I tell him, I'm like, oh, this character, this is who this comes, becomes later on. And when I tell him that, or when he discovers that, or when I finally 
go to that next step, he'll go, I can't believe that you've been laying this in from the beginning. I'm like, yeah, I have, because I thought about it from the get-go. And so I, th I, I think about those kinds of things. And um, so I want to give val entertainment value in the moment, but also like give myself some material for the future. And, um, and I'm just, and I love that kind of stuff. So yeah. early on, uh, we had uh, Lulu the parrot, which is our parrot. And um, I had started a little serial and I couldn't finish it because of time and, and just, you know, circumstances of my life uh, back three or four years ago. Um, and I have a friend who, uh, who also has a parrot and she was like, well, who owns, who owns Lulu in your strip? And I'm like, oh, you can't, you, I can't tell you because that would spoil the surprise, you know, and not that she cared that much, you know, but, um, it was kind of a fun little thrill at one point when I revealed that Lulu was owned by Nanny Noodle Legs, you know, and I was like, oh, I kind of like the fact that you didn't really know and it didn't you know again it doesn't really matter to anybody but this one friend was kind of interested like well who owns her who's she who's she referring to in the strip i'm like oh you'll find out and i and i thought some of that stuff comes from reading comic books and you know you have to plan way in advance for that stuff and i and i just you know like to do that here so um but is there anybody who absolutely will never come back well uh there are some of our initial characters in the original strip that I, I would be hard pressed if they will ever see the light of day again. They weren't great. Um, they didn't quite work. It was like the first four or five strips and we completely abandoned them and never came back to them. And um, I could see though they were, it was kind of a weird little mythical land. And I could see maybe um, now that we're talking about it, I could see them being maybe in a storybook within the strip. Like, right. Like you open, like you see a, a cover and like, again, you, JJ, who's reading it would never know that that's a character from 1980, you know, yeah, yeah. my paper, but I'll know. And like, yeah. I kind of get to reintroduce them into the real, into this, this arena. So, um, so having said that, maybe that's, maybe I've just reversed myself and said, yeah, maybe they will find their way into this new reality somewhere, <clears throat> excuse me, or the movie, like the latest animated feature from something. <laughs> like these dumb characters that really, really didn't work. They really didn't work. Um, we had a talking statue and like, it just, it's like everything about it, like nothing worked. Um, what, what, what makes a character not work? That's a great question. And I, and I, I wish I had an actual answer because my only answer is, you yeah. just know. Yeah, because I have some songs that I've written that I still tinker with because it just doesn't work. I think in those cases, you leave yeah. them to the side. They may work in the future. Because I've had, I, you know, oh, like yeah. I've, had, I've had some characters that I put to the side and I'm like, I can't really think of anything for them. And they're not, it's not really their time yet. Um, Matthew and I have come up with a lot of different characters and I've got them all, but there's just, there's just not, it's not yet quite right. I don't have the art. A, A, on one hand, I don't have the artistic wherewithal to make it work, I think. So and B, I just think it's, I haven't yet found a place for them. I actually had a friend also that write a short story and that yeah. I asked him to write and I haven't written, I haven't drawn that yet because it's not the right time. 
So is it the drawing of it that doesn't work or is it the character that doesn't work or is it? It's so it's 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 a lot. There's a lot of different things. Um, you know, when I go when I come up with a new character, um, uh, they usually, I mean, of course, they go through a few revisions. There's some characters that pop out of my head, completely done, and I was like, I don't know how that happened. We mm -hmm. had a character, uh, sort of a, uh, I don't know how, yeah, nosy next door neighbor Marlene in in the in the strip in, over the winter. She completely came out of nowhere. I have no idea where she came from. I don't know who she is in my real life. I don't know where she, but she pulled, she popped out fully formed. <laughs> no, seriously. And I drew her the first time I drew her, I was like, yeah, that's her, that's Marlene. And yeah. I, I don't think I even did a second drawing. I think that was, I think the, the drawing in the strip is literally my first drawing of her. Cause it just, she somehow just came out fully formed. I, I can't explain it. I don't understand it. Um, uh, Mass Grape was really like that too, actually. He came yeah. out completely fully formed. I mean, some of his personality was still being worked on a little bit, but but his look, his colors, all of that stuff that just popped out. And But as far as what doesn't work, I think you just kind of know when something is not working, either a joke isn't working, a storyline isn't working, uh, the design isn't working. And you can, I, I have found it's best to sort of like, there's a moment where you just go, this isn't gonna work. Yeah. Here's a great example. Thanksgiving time, I had, so there's the Norman Rockwell uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. That has been done a billion times, right? Well, I thought, well, I, I'll do that with Angie and the Lone Apple and all these characters and they'll be sitting around. And I started it and I was like, I can't, I can't draw plates and I can't draw a turkey and I can't draw the table and I can, but it's going to take me, it's going to take me a long time to do it. So I need to build my skills up in those areas before I can really tackle that. Um, and I've saved it. I mean, I'll, I'll do it eventually. I just, it's just not the right time. Yeah. yeah. My, my, my skills also aren't yet right for that. It's right for other stuff, but it's not yeah. right for that. So, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, and I had actually another character um, that I abandoned, um, a scientist character, um, and I had a whole bunch of strips sort of sketched out and I started putting them together. This was last like October, November. And I started putting them together. I was like, mm, he's not working. He's just, he's just not, it's not, it's, it's not even that it's not funny. It's just, it's, it's taking away from the rest of the story and mm. it's not necessary. It's, it's stuff that I can cut. And I don't think that it's all, I don't think it's good enough for me to, to include. Um, so, uh, he's still there. He'll pop in at some point when I find something for him to do, but I don't have anything for him to do yet. Um, and, uh, you know, so there's a lot of, you know, kind of a lot of, uh, of those decisions that go through every time you put pen pencil to paper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had, uh, yeah, like I said, the best things were when they just sort of work and they kind of come out fully formed, like. Uh, we had an ant in Legion of Bugs who was who transformed from a bug to a, a person, and he came out as like a very, a very uh, Hamptons. Oh, I'm going out and meet Muffy and 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 Biff, and we're going to go play some, you know, some car. And we're going to play, you know, wah, 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 wah. and I like and his look, like completely. I mean, again, I got the iPad and I was like, clickety click, clack. He's done. 
Like I didn't even have to do a second version because I knew exactly who he was and how I wanted him to look. Um, but there's also a character that like, he was worth a couple jokes. And then I didn't really have anything else for him to do because he's a little, <laughs> a little bit of a one joke guy and maybe he'll show up again like Betty did. So, hmm. um, and, and, and that's the long form of story of this kind of storytelling where I can have somebody for a couple jokes and then I don't use them for years and they come back out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. Great. It's yeah. like no one's saying I can't you do that. And, you know, um, and that's really part of the thing that makes it really exciting because anything, anything can happen on any day. So all of your characters, they all live in the same universe? No. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I thought I thought earlier you kind of alluded to that, but no, they're actually in different universes. Okay. So yes. So Angie and her friends are in one universe and she draws the Lone Apple. And then the Lone okay. Apple and Mighty End and all of them are in a separate universe and he draws her. So that's very it's yeah. super trippy and fun and I love doing like you know like I don't have to even state it it's just a thing you know it's whatever and then eventually maybe they'll meet because I think that would be fun oh now that kind of explains why uh the so the lone apple being rejected by the legion of bugs and on the side panel was somebody drawing and like I was thinking like that's not him you know referring to you I'm like yeah. I don't know who that person is and yet this is definitely like a sort of a a meta kind of thing and i'm yeah. like yeah so now her story ended and then she goes into and this has happened a couple of times where so she's the that's the bridge of her like drawing or like yeah. at the end of legion of bugs she'll get up off you know like after the legion of bugs is done she'll get up and like uh, now and then she'll announce whatever is going on in her life that she, that i'm putting her in you know, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. situation she's going she'd be like now time to go and do that yeah um which is a nice bridge and i guess um, i i have some catching up to do <laughs> well, you know, and it's fine and you know look it's it's um and you know it, maybe it's overly complicated and you know so maybe i should simplify i don't know no 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 you you do you do what you i mean it's your art form it's yeah yeah I but don't. I think that there's, there's, you know, it's, it's a little complicated, but I think it's sort of in the long run, it's worth it. Yeah. Because there's, there's some fun stuff in there and, um, you know, and, and look at the end of the day, if you don't even understand everything, I hope you're get, at least getting some enjoyment out of it and the bright colors. Yeah. <laughs> people keep saying, people always say, oh, the bright colors are great. I'm like, okay, well, thanks. <laughs> That's like, you have a really nice personality. Thanks. Well, you know, I, I do these 100 word stories. Um, oh, right. Yeah. But I also, uh, uh, you know, accompany it with um, photographs that I've taken that sometimes is related to the story and sometimes it's not. But if it's not related to the story, then at least I try to make it like um, capture the feeling of the story at least. But anyway, yeah. I got a comment uh, the other day um because i i've often wondered if people are just you know liking the photos or if they're actually reading the stories <laughs> and, and and i i kind of got the answer because a friend of mine she said well i have to admit uh, you know i do respond to the to the pictures 
that she enjoys the pictures more than the stories is I think what <laughs> she was trying to say in a very nice and diplomatic way. <laughs> well, you know, people don't read anymore as it is. And so yeah. it's all about pictures and oh, whatever. Anyway, we do our art. It's a lot of fun. I'm going to continue. I hope you continue. Mm -hmm. uh, I am. I am going to you know, close now. However, I do have to finish today's strip, and then I have a job tomorrow. Yes. Um, yes. To go back to to the workday world in the morning. So before you go, um, tell whoever is listening where they can find your stuff. Sure. So you can find me at one of the two websites, jumpingforjoy.net, or andrewaltenberg.com. They both point to the same, the exact same blog. They're, there's only one. They both go to the same one. Um, I'm on uh, Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on the Twitter. Um, uh, I also, you can see all my work at elo.com or maybe it's elo.co, C-O. Um, and also on DeviantArt. I have a, I have a portfolio on DeviantArt as well. Um, I also have a Pinterest, which I keep everything in, but you ah. know, so there's a lot, I just, I just add, I just keep full galleries in various places that way, you know, cause different people like different things, uh, ways to see stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I have all these places and I'm always open to suggestions about where I can display it or I can uh, post it. Um, somebody suggested Reddit, but I haven't pursued that yet. Um, so if anybody listening, has any ideas of where I could post my stuff to get more exposure? Uh, I'm I'm up for hearing it. Yeah, there's this um, uh, website that I came across some time ago that I think um, I don't know if they're curated stuff, but it may be suitable for comics. I'll I'll send it to you by email or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you could send me like all the different links where you want yeah, people to find that. your work, yeah, yeah, I could do that. And also, and then of course the Instagram, the, the Instagram, the, the Instagram. Instagram. The Instagram also has when Matthew and I cook. It's we're cooking grub in our tiny place because we have a we have a kitchen the size of a postage stamp. So we, <laughs> we post our wonderful meals, which are very wonderful, but we make them in a very very small place. Um, yeah, I actually enjoy those too. Um, yeah. 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 And, uh, and one, one last thing before you go, I decided that I'm going to start this. I want, I would like you to tell people to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Okay. <laughs> or subscribe to my podcast and my YouTube channel. I wish I had like the puff thing. And it's called Beer Cake with JJ Co. Yeah. By the way, I yeah. just want to mention that I don't wear my glasses like in video or pictures ever, but I did for you because I didn't feel like I could see you for this interview. <laughs> where are you again? Where, where'd you go? <laughs> uh, but I'm going to do it for this. Uh, tell me what to say again. No, just, just tell people in your own words, just tell people to follow me, follow this channel. Uh, Okay. Subscribe. Yeah. Subscribe to Beer Cake with JJ Co. or whatever. Beer Cake Podcast. All right. <laughs> I'll do that. I'm just giving you a couple seconds so you can separate it out if you want. Hi, everybody. This is Drew Altenberg from the Memo Comic Strip. Please subscribe to JJ Co.'s 
uh, YouTube thing, thing, your cake thing. That's not right. Can you write me, write me something and I'll, and I'll put it in and then I'll wear my glasses so I can read it. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not kidding. I'm better with a script in these kinds of things. If you want something specific, just write. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. Just, I think, well, I think Thank maybe you. that will make it into the bloopers. Okay, well, that, <laughs> that's, the that's blooper a reel. blooper reel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're asking them to subscribe to your YouTube channel. Is that what we're doing? Uh, subscribe, subscribe to my podcast and my YouTube podcast. channel. Yeah. Podcast. Let me do it one more time. Hey everybody, this is Jerrell Altenberg from the Memo Comic Strip. Please subscribe to JJ's uh, podcast and YouTube channel. Awesome interviews and great music. Great. <laughs> Actually, those are two different channels. <laughs> I asked you to write something. No, it's okay. Uh, you're my, you're the first guest that I asked you to do that too. Right. So I think I will now for subsequent guests, I, I'm going to have to script it. Yeah. yeah just, just, a little, <laughs> just a little thing in the chat that I can read and go like, I don't know what I'm talking about. So. Oh, in the chat. Yeah, I could do yeah, that. Yeah, just Wait. like a little thing okay. in the chat. All yeah. right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like looking at my funny faces. because I'm secretly 13. Now, you must be wondering what happened to me. There we go. Oh, cool. Oh, there it is. Okay, great. Okay. Hi all, this is Drew Eldenberg from the Memo Comic Strip. Uh, please subscribe to Beer Cake with JJ Co. on YouTube and most podcasts. Please subscribe to Beer Cake with JJ Co. on YouTube and most podcast streaming services. Perfect. <laughs> that smile of insincerity. Okay, I'm tired. It's late. I have to go. All right. I well, you. thank you for a great conversation. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, Drew, for being uh, my guest. And uh, it was great seeing you and catching up. And uh, yeah, so um, we look forward to seeing what adventures all of your hundreds and thousands of different characters that are in your head going to do. <laughs> See you all. Thanks for thanks all for right. listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Jayden.